Hello and welcome to Unabashed Book Snobbery, the podcast where we gush about George R. R. Martin's A Song of Ice and Fire and growl about its gross adaptation, Game of Thrones. This is where being a book snob is a good thing. <laughs> My name is Kylie, and here with me today is Julia. Hi, everyone. Caroline. Hi, everybody. And Yana. Hi. The four of us write for thefandamentals.com, the website for fundamentally sound fandom analysis. Caroline is also our regular who reviews the episodes of Game of Thrones with me and Julia as we watch it, and she will be returning for Yay. season eight. Yay! Yay. Blackmailed her into it. It's <laughs> hype! I'm looking forward to it. Should be a good oh. time. It's a month away, guys. What do we do? Oh my god. Um, stock up on um. tequila. I've told you this before. <laughs> that is true. Look forward to when it's over. <laughs> you probably also might uh, recognize Yana's name or voice from either our season one podcast or the rewatch project where she participated in like half the episodes yeah. in season four. Not qu- yeah, in season four half. <laughs> yeah, at yeah. least. So wait, so, do we have the same group of people for for this last yes. podcast we're doing as we did for the first one? For this, we, we do. We are because oh, it's like poetry. It's like poetry. It rhymes. Right? It rhymes. Yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. And if you want to read that rewatch, which I do recommend, I think it was really good. It's mm-hmm. on thefandamentals.com. And you can just search the tag GOT rewatch or the wars to come, which I <laughs> use as the name for it for some reason. You might also consider supporting us on thefandamentals.com by becoming a Fandamentals Plus subscriber. That's right. If you click that little FM Plus button, you can become a subscriber for just $3 a month or $30 a year. And that gives you exclusive access to exclusive content exclusively. Uh, some of that content includes live streams that you can hang out with me and Julia and ask us questions like the one we just did gearing up for season eight. We were in a good place for it. Yeah, it was (laughs) extremely useful and coherent. So the topic of today's episode is season four, the (laughs) last season that we're rewatching. Now tell me, Julia, when we conceived of this project, why did we decide to stop at season four? Um, Because season five was the first uh, season that we covered in detail in our other material. I think that was the actual reason. But yes. also the end of season four was when you officially became a book snob. Uh, I was probably a little bit earlier, but it was probably like in the middle of season four. Yeah. And I think that's true for many members of our community. Uh, yeah, I would, I tend to agree. That would be about the time when, um, when I, when I also decided that there was something seriously wrong with the show. Yeah. And then season like, five yeah. just like hammered that nail in for me. Yeah. Cause by the time those couple of episodes in uh, season five leaked, we were, we were like totally on one yeah, of this book I think, I think by the time I knew where the uh, Winterfell storyline was headed by season five, I was completely yeah. done. Um, but the cracks were always there. And I think after season four, there was already a good amount of skepticism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I find it, I find it interesting rewatching and seeing 
uh, seeing what, what things I look at and I'm like, I remember even at the time thinking like, huh, this seems like bullshit. <laughs> knowing now that it, it definitely, oh. definitely was. I was so determined to love the show throughout season four. And the, the end of it was just so bad. The final two episodes, really, I thought, where we had a boring battle that was split into two episodes and then whatever the hell that finale is. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was also interesting to think about the biggest shock of season four in the fandom, if you remember, was actually what didn't happen, which uh-huh. was that there was no Stoneheart. Right. And that was a shocking moment. People assumed it would end on it because why wouldn't it? And then is that what Alex Graves gave that interview where he's like, we weren't going to do a stupid zombie. Uh, and you're like, possibly. Oh, okay. Cause that, that would be too stupid. That would be too stupid for this show. I think that's the dude who gave a lot of bad interviews during season four, isn't it? <laughs> There's never really been a good interview to come out of anyone creatively associated with Game of Thrones, if I yeah. could be honest. I mean, there was, like, the uh, the people who give those salty interviews after the Yeah, I was going to say, like, Alexander Siddiq's <laughs> interview. Or, like, yeah. but, oh, there's a difference, but there's a difference between just getting something wrong and saying the sex became consensual. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god, that was the season two. Oh, there's so much. I have it's an idea. a very long season. <laughs> I have an idea for a Carol Award related to that. I think we should do... Um, the saltiest post-death interview. Like, the <laughs> oh my god, yeah. I, I don't think gonna... anything can beat, like, I have no idea what anyone ever saw in status. I thought he was done. <laughs> There's gonna have to be a Carol of all Carols, I think. I yeah. am so disappointed we haven't heard from Natalie Dorma yet. So disappointed. Right? I but so I think she, like... She, I think she got what she wanted out of it. She's like, alright, yeah, they told me Tommy was 17, thank you! <laughs> like, oh, really? Anyway, let's hone in on season four a bit. And, and the thing that we've done for these podcasts has been starting off by one word summing up the season and our viewing experience. Oh, so, dear. uh, yeah, Yana, you want to kick that off? Yes. And my word is what? <laughs> with a question mark or with a period? Um, I think without punctuation. Okay. <laughs> Both just, move, both move. Just like open mouth Pikachu. What? Yes, basically. <laughs> oh, <Pikachu>. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Caroline. Um, so my word would be lost, and oh. I mean that as a header to a sub with a sub part because you, we were only supposed to pick one word. Um, but what I mean really is like missing the point. It's like they have all these plots where they, like, kind of start going towards a point, and, like, they seem sort of aware of the source material. Uh-huh. And then they just, like, they totally miss the point. Like, Tyrion and Shay completely miss the point. Uh, the death of Joffrey yeah. and the scheming, miss the point. Oh. Like, everything. Every single one is just, like, it. they do either, like, the reverse of what happened in the source material, or they miss <laughs> entirely what the entire purpose of the story was. Yeah. And, oh, wait until season five, my love. Wait until season five. <laughs> I mean, it's a pattern that continues, but I would say this season more so, I think, than last season. Like, I've oh, been sure. noticing it over and over. It's just like, you know, Marjorie the sexual manipulator, except for the this one thing, she would never, you know, scheme in this, you know, it's, but it's like totally missing, yeah. uh, missing the point. So I think like lost yeah. isn't a single word to describe that. Yeah, I mean, you definitely used a lot of words to explain your one word, but I, I accept it. <laughs> Julia, what did you come up with? Um, it's kind of one word, but it's the sound of something falling rapidly downwards. 
I okay, like it. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the word I'm coming up with is uh it's not really getting at anything thematic. It's just really my experience. Mm-hmm. And that was plotting. Uh, yeah. Because mm-hmm. boy, oh boy, was this paced terribly. <laughs> I don't <laughs> think they thought through the split of Storm of Swords very well, <laughs> where at least one storyline was wheel spinning each episode, mm-hmm. if not multiple. Yeah. And it showed. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think I wrote this in about the Beatles monologue, among other things, but one of the most cohesive themes that was kind of present in every episode was one or two people sitting around saying trailer-worthy lines while they're, while they're waiting around for something exciting to happen in episode nine, maybe. Mm-hmm. Let the priests argue good and evil. Okay, Danny. Oh. All right, well, let's talk overarching season four. Uh-uh. And we always start with a softball. What did everyone think of the acting this year? Uh, well, good. <laughs> it's always it's always good. Like, I think it was at least how it was directed yeah. to be, right? Yeah. Because, like, this is when Amelia Clark stopped expressing. I was going to say, <laughs> take off your clothes. Like, she <laughs> cried in that last scene. She cried in that last scene. And I think that's, that she was, that's the most emotion she has shown in the last two seasons. I mean, like, did he have, like, um, like, remember the Spice King? Like, the guy who played Carl Fucking Tanner kind of had that same thing. He was just like, I know this is ridiculous, but I don't care. I'm just gonna, like, gonna go for I'm it. I'm a Shakespearean actor. I'm going to Shakespeare it up. With I will ball. say, that new mountain, like, you can tell he's a really, really nice, happy guy, usually. Yeah. And he's trying to play a menacing part, so he's just, like, and putting on a frown and nodding, and you're he, like... Uh, and he was also... He, he was just also won the, well, the Arnold Strongman Classic for the second year in a row. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was, was also this thing called obvious- The Wheel of Pain. It was pretty cool. Ooh. Yeah. He was also so obviously the younger brother, it was just killing any and all immersion. Like, how is this dude supposed to be older, older. than Sandor? That's a good yeah. point. Oh, I hadn't thought of that. Oh, speaking like, of that, we what? had a new Tommen this year. Did everyone feel that that was really necessary? Uh, no. How old was the um, last actor? Because they, they, it was like 10, maybe? I don't know. By that point, he was probably the same age. Yeah, yeah the thing is, the original actress for Tommen and Marcella would have aged at the same rate as all the other child actors. There was no reason to replace them. Do we know why they replaced him? Was there like a... Like they season 5. Season 5 was a season they replaced him. Well, yeah, I mean, I think their official reason was that, like, they didn't cast them to play, like, the major roles that they were now in. I mean, the, the reason I can yeah. see is that Natalie Dormer had a sexually harassed Tom in this season, so... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we didn't get a new Madison until season 5, and then the skirt hiking... she wasn't in this season... <laughs> <laughs> Nell Tiger Free is her name, which is the most yeah. awesome name ever. The original Marcella was really good. There was she nothing, was. She, she could have easily yes. pulled off this role. Mm-hmm. But I mean, she could have easily pulled off the role of Marcella. Not sure if she could have played Madison. So, in the past seasons, though, like the acting has made up for a lot of sins. Do you mm-hmm. feel that this season? Uh, um, there were a couple of scenes where, like, my only takeaway was like, "Wow, this actor is too good for this." Yes. Like, Absolutely. the last, uh, Tywin's last scene on the toilet, like, that was, like, the only thing I was thinking, like, wow, Charles Dance, you're kind of selling this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, I like Alfie Allen always, uh, cause he's awesome. And I think in the scene, though, the scene itself makes no sense, you know, Yara going to try to rescue him. 
Oh. <laughs> uh, uh. But that, you know, the whole, the construct that got us there makes no sense. But he, his acting was very good there. And it was like, that, like, illogic was almost worth it to, to get him, you know, screaming, you know, it's, it's a trick. I know it's a trick. I'm not going, you know, like, like that kind of thing it was like really great to see. But does it justify the scene? Yeah. Yeah, the thing is, um, most actors can only play towards the material, mm-hmm. is the thing. <laughs> and I think you can. I mean, you can be the best actor in the world when the lines you have to deliver are just rubbish. You're not going to be the best actor in the world doing it. It's mm-hmm. the thing. Like there's. Some- I was a legend in Gin Alley. God <laughs> fucking Jenner. <laughs> also, like, how yes, is there gin? How is there gin? That, uh, like made yeah, from the potatoes. Okay. What? Yeah, I, that, that's a good point. I mean, I guess, like, gin is based on, like, traditional Dutch liqueurs, right? I have no idea. You mean gin in Gin Alley or gin in Crasser's Keep? I mean gin, the drink, yeah. to have been, you know, for the opponent's gin alley. Like, it had to have come from something inverse, right? I, I'm gonna look up gin on Wikipedia. <laughs> History of gin. <laughs> <laughs> I just, it just pulled me right out. It's like when they talk about blackstrap rum all the time, which, yeah, that's kind of in a song of ice and fire, but why do you have a rum obsession? What's going on? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so the earliest known written reference to Jennifer appears in 13th century, uh, works from Bruges. Okay, so it's possible. And the earliest recipe is from 16th century uh, work also from uh, Flanders. I mean, it's this is a, a universe with dragons, so like, of course yeah. it's possible that there's gin. And but they, ha- just, they seem to have maize as well. And potatoes. It just felt so out of yeah. place. Hmm. Yeah. Anyway, that was just my weird tangent. Let's talk about the directing of this season. Was everyone blown away? I mean, there were some weird things. Do you guys remember... Um, I just rewatched the last episode like two hours ago. Uh, there, Why did you do that? What? Why did you do that? <laughs> to prepare for this podcast? She prepares. <laughs> it's also why I put notes in the Google Doc. <laughs> and we're still confused by that, but okay. <laughs> you just look bad, Caroline. <laughs> oh, actually, I'm sorry. I think this scene was in the penultimate episode. It, John goes to talk to Mance north of the wall. And they had and that conversation in the tent where... He's like, no, that's the last. That's the last episode. It should have been the beginning of the last one. episode. Yeah, because yeah, um, why would they have a complete narrative in the episode before <laughs> it? Seriously. Oh, I'm sorry. You're right. You're right. <laughs> Gave them too much credit. So he goes <laughs> to talk to Mance, and there's the cameras doing that thing, like in in regular conversations on TV, like the camera's sort of over the one person's shoulder looking at the other person to kind of give that like point of view, I guess, which is fine. But the camera does this super weird thing where, like, the person's face, like Mance's face, for example, will be, like, all the way in, like, the upper right-hand corner. And, like, the rest of the screen is, like, black and fuzzy (laughs) with John's, like, hair and cloak. And it's, like, and it goes back and forth like this. And I'm, like, what is happening? And I I was, like, was it supposed to make me feel something? Because I just feel like we put the camera in the wrong place and we didn't notice. So I don't it's know. Like, Maybe I just didn't get it, but it's like shot reverse shot. But no, no, they're really talking to each other. It's, it was so bizarre. <laughs> I'm like I don't, I don't need to see this much of the back of Kit Harrington's head. <laughs> it was the it was the majority. It was like seventy five percent of the screen was Kit Harrington's hair. <laughs> to be fair, he has a lot of hair. I mean, Mel hasn't given him a haircut yet, so. I think I only really noticed the direction on the show when it's like obviously bad. Mm-hmm. Like what? Do you remember an example from this season? From, oh, from this season? Um, no. 
I don't know. Not really. Like, it was all fine. There are a lot of good establishing shots of Danny looking uncomfortable on her throne. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I thought that was effective. But uh, I'm trying to think. I guess the worst example I can think of, and I know that this is Michelle McLaren, and that's so strange because she's probably one of the most competent directors on the role. She did the Craster Rape Shack sequence, and mm. that had, like... How can we frame the background rape so that you still see it, but we're focusing on Carl drinking wine out of a skull? Like, so you can have your tits and your Shakespeare at the same time. We attempted Shakespeare, <laughs> poor attempt. Um, I forget which episode it was in, but there was this one episode where uh, over in Analaria were chilling in the brothel having a gruesome group sex, and they like opened the scene on like a woman's ass. right in the foreground (laughs) that was an interesting choice well Alaria doesn't like timid sex what do you want anyway um, any any other thoughts on directing I guess Um, oh well why don't we talk a little bit about the uh, big flashy battle episode 9 flashy battle oh yes that's the directing feat right right because they're very proud of that when you listen to I mean, there aren't Com- very many horses, and usually, like, it's the horses yeah. that impresses me the battles. And compared to the battles later on, this one was actually kind of subdued and almost worked. Mm-hmm. There was that was- one tracking shot that was, like, fine. I liked that. I know what you're talking about. It's that, like, one continuous shot where they go all around. And- yeah, I... Uh-huh. I-, I-, I, thought- I thought it was cool. I thought it was, like... I think you have to be careful how you cool. use it, yeah. I was just so, like, done with the episode already by that point that I think I couldn't really appreciate it. That was um, one of those things that I remember watching it originally and thinking that was cool. And it's kind of like, it's lost a lot of its luster for me, but it, it was it was well done in a way where I can, like, appreciate that. Like, I thought yeah. that, would I, would I rather them have that in there or not have that in there? And I'd rather them have that because I thought it was cool looking. Yeah, it kind of is like the... um the sound editing in Battle of the Bastards, where it is yeah. good, but it's it's kind of hard to be engaged. The thing about that battle is that it was very heavily based on Helm's Deep. I don't mean shot for shot yes. or anything, but they did a lot of research on Helm's Deep. Like, oh, this is the longest battle an audience uh, can watch and still have sustained interest. Mm-hmm. But I think they kind of missed that there was a lot of character stuff mm-hmm. driving Helm's Deep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And that moments could breathe. Like we had Gren it is hopeless. We had Gren, Pip, and Egret die so close together. Yeah. It was yeah. almost like parody by the end of it. Honestly, the mistake was to put all of this in one big battle. That was the opposite of what was supposed to be happening in the book. Yeah. And it was mm-hmm. also the opposite of what they were what they said was going on. This wasn't supposed to be something to be won in one fleshy battle. It was an extended siege with a general sense of hopelessness that dragged on for days or weeks in the books. I'm not too sure about that. And putting this all into one explosive battle with all these important deaths and actually really competent uh, death scenes and execution of those... Um, was just the it was basically the biggest problem the season had structurally and thematically right right and i think part of the where there's sort of this and um another scene that i think are sort of tonally swapped it from the source material from the books the from my, re- my recollection of reading this it's the battle at uh, Castle Black is very much like it's obvious that the wildlings are not going to win it's not really a threat where like they're really going to get through i mean they're fighting with weapons that are much inferior 
And they have, I mean, it mm-hmm. does drag on, I think, for weeks even. Like, they yeah, make, it does. Definitely days, if not, I think it's weeks. Yes. They make the turtle to try to get in. They're just getting, like, I mean, John's, John's John in the knows. cells for, like, days during this. Yeah, John knows he gets that, locked like, up. this is not going to work. And yeah. that's kind of part of, like, the darkness of it. And then on the flip side, on an unrelated scene, um, the battle with Oberyn and the mountain... <laughs> it, in the books, it's kind of like also apparent that Oberyn's not going to win. There's not really this tone that like of hopefulness or like maybe you know maybe it's possible or whatever. And then in the show, it's sort of like they did the opposite on both of those. And, <laughs> and, and also, sort of again like, missing the point. Oberyn's entire strategy was to like, yeah, you know, conserve his energy. <laughs> Rather than like flipping around everywhere, yeah, yeah. troll down a bit. There was a lot of trolley sword fighting this season that I noticed. Maybe I didn't pay attention to. Oh, wait until season six. I'm aware. It reminds me of the uh, final duel in in Revenge of the Sith, where Obi Wan and Anakin are just twirling at each other, and then they're not hitting each other at all. I have the high ground. (laughs) But um, what I was. What I was thinking too about that siege, and I think Yana began to touch on it too, is that by, by jamming it into that giant battle, that really fucked all the pacing up north, yes. right? That's why we like had the Craster Rings. Yeah. Cause like John wasn't elected Lord Commander this season now. Yeah, right. No. And the thing was too, it also really failed to establish him as a leader. And I know I harped on this in the rewatch a lot, but in the books, the reason he was looked to as such a leader and he was so popular is that he did hold them together, mm-hmm. you know, for days. Yeah. And he was had good ideas. He had good ideas, right? Like he he helped against the turtle thing that they built. Here he just like timed a couple yeah. pitch barrels. Yeah, like yeah. fire those arrows, guys. In the book, <laughs> he actually he actually has a bit of a brain. In the show, he is basically reduced to, to sword swinging. And 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 the most thematically opposite thing they could do is to have. Jano Slint's idea to kill uh-huh. John be pitched in earnest by John as the solution to the battle. <laughs> it's like, what? Yeah. It's like, I, it's a bad plan. What's your plan? And like, it's like, anything that was good about what happened to John in season four was completely undermined by season five. Like, I'm just thinking of how, like, they framed the entire Craster Rake Shaft mission as avenging the old bear. <laughs> <laughs> Right, where like I think you kind of you think you think that like that entire like mission as a concept made a lot more sense on the rewatch. I'm not sure I agree, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, well, you know, actually, Julia, a lot of this season, and I don't think we gave D and D enough credit. They didn't just rewatch season one before writing season seven. They rewatched like at least the first four seasons because a lot of this Ooh. season gets reframed in a not yeah. good way, uh-huh. and the. The best is like why Tyrion killed Tywin, and yeah. they can't seem to settle on a reason for a really long time. And now he in season seven, they're like, "Right, right, what? Right?" Because in season five, it's like, "Well, he slept with the woman I love," and then in season six, hmm. it was like, uh, "I had no choice." And in season seven, it's now he was ableist. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And you're like, okay. God, that, that entire sequence. <laughs> That entire All right. sequence. Well, Alright, we have to hold that until our adaptation discussion a little sure. bit. Or we could do it with the worst episode, maybe. But let's talk episodes and say something nice. What was your favorite episode of season four? Hmm. Well, the problem was that every episode that I could think of where, that where I liked things 
also had one scene or two scenes yeah. where I was just like, I cannot in good good conscience list this as my favorite. My first instinct was to list episode eight because it had yeah. Sansa plot stuff I really liked and it had actual Oberyn showing up for like two minutes of dialogue there. But it mm. also had the Beatle monologue. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's the part that I really liked with uh, Sansa and Lysa acting opposite of each other with the set, set up in the eerie being sort of okay. Actually pretty nice. Oh, yeah. And then we had Rape Shack 2. Yeah, that was episode five. Yeah, mm-hmm. where yes. most, of, most of episode five was actually like good. And then the Rape Shack stuff <laughs> came and not only was it bad, yeah. but it was so bad that it like saps your ability to think. Yeah, <laughs> I really, I really hate the whole Craster's Rape Shack subplot. Like, I hate it so much. I, I stand by the statement that the episode five stuff of it is better with air quotes than the episode well, there four aren't, like, stuff. There aren't like naked women and being raped in the background so much. Yeah, the bars on the floor. Still, even the trial episode was Yara at the Dreadfort. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And even like I was surprised with how well episode nine worked, despite you know all the problems we listed. But it also <laughs> had like weirdly rapey Sam. Ugh. Oh. And the entire Gilly subplot that just was like, what? Oh my god! And ew! And why are we all talking about sex for fifteen minutes? <laughs> You know what? Talking this through, I'm just going to totally steal Caroline's note. The best episode to watch was legitimately The Lion and the Rose. Don't steal my note. This is why I shouldn't share my notes. (laughs) But, okay, why don't you talk about why you viewed that as possibly the best? Um, So, I think that when I look back on Game of Thrones generally, my my favorite episodes that come to mind are Kiss by Fire, Battle of Blackwater, and The Lion and the Rose. And I mm-hmm. think when I think of the line in the rose, really all I'm thinking about is like the whole wedding sequence, which is a significant chunk of the end of the episode. Oh, it is. Yeah, and it is. I there are issues with it. There's problems with like Brienne is there while Jamie is there, and Sansa is <laughs> pop there. up Dantos. Yeah. And there's just like these, there's like, an entire shift in genre in our sitcom. Right. Oh. There's like <laughs> pro- all kinds of problems, but I appreciate how the scene did have. All of these like main characters coming together, and I liked the way it was shot in terms of. I guess this kind of goes to directing, in terms yeah. of like you know one conversation sort of leading into the other, and people sort of seeing each other across the way and stuff like that. And I think the actual poisoning uh, scene played out. It, it reminded me a lot of the book scene, so I liked it because it was similar to the book scene, and yeah. be- and I, I liked that yeah. aspect of it. I, th- I think I liked it for completely other reasons, which is just <laughs> that I found it mostly pleasant to watch. Mm-hmm. And the ending is supposed to be in contrast to that. So even though we're like, what the fuck is this tone? Because <laughs> what is Martin doing, really? <laughs> like, why are Loris and Jamie making gay and incest jokes at each other? What's happening? So but funny. I think there was like... I honestly think that captured the spirit of the wedding in the books better. Mm-hmm. Not better, but like as well as it could have given the circumstances, given yeah. Brienne's there, given Dantos is just going to pop up. And <laughs> oh, God, you Dantos. Know? Oh, my because God. Because it, it was kind of that contrast where in the books you're reading it and you can like feel something's brewing and a lot of it's from Sansa's point of view and Tyrion's alternating. Mm-hmm. And it's like you're getting really 
focused on the like stupid minutia of all these political interactions, mm-hmm. but then it, it culminates in this moment. Yeah. And I think they really built to that well at the stuff with Tyrion yes. and Joffrey played out perfectly. Right. And I oh, think yeah. also you have the benefit of having Jack Gleason in a scene that's yes. just like yes. so Joffrey. And he he yes. play and like everyone sees how like horrible the jousting is and like, And I liked Look the Pie. that was perfect that was amazing yeah so like these things are all all really good and i like marjorie's wedding dress in that it's pretty and i want it not that it makes any kind of sense in the universe (laughs) you can see my articles on that um but it was pretty and so it was pretty to look at it was i felt like it didn't have enough skin showing for the universe Right, I mean, right. No, I mean in the books, she's described as like having like her cleavage and her shoulders showing, and that being super sexy. So, but only for the <laughs> feast and not at the wedding itself. She kind of changed dresses. Yeah, and she had a more newer dress for the uh, set. All right. So, worst episode. Is this even a conversation? No. It is. First I of all, know. you didn't ask me what my favorite episode was. I thought okay. I thought you didn't have one. What is your favorite episode? I uh, well, yeah, good point. I probably don't have one. I was gonna go. I was gonna go with Mockingjay, and I was gonna say oh, mm-hmm. that this Mockingbird. Mockingjay is, Hunger Mocking Games. Games. is yeah. the Hunger Games thing. Yeah, because we called it Mocking Words. So <laughs> Mocking oh, right, yeah. yeah. Uh, Only oh, your sister. That? Um. Yes. This was your so, sister. Yeah. Yeah. But it was also Oberyn. Yeah, you're, that's, that's where, uh, Mama Martell gets Lady Black wanted. Um, yes. <laughs> and also when, uh, Deadpan tells Dario to take his pants off. You're not making a very good case right now. I was ready to support you. This is the best part. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, it's the one where Lysa gets pushed at the moon door by, uh, Batfinger. Mm-hmm. Your the one that has the snow castle seed, which they worked maybe sixty percent. Yeah, maybe. I'm 60%. sorry, Joy. What did you like about this yeah. episode? <laughs> All those things I just listed—they're they're okay. Um, and it also had Mel in the bath talking about uh, talking to Celise. Um, um, I don't actually... know. It passed the Bechdel test, and right. um, but it also the, the wait. One it scene... passed the Bechdel test. You mean them talking about burning Shireen? <laughs> yeah, it passed the Bechdel test. Wait, so I had a question: Was that them seeding burning Shireen? Did they actually seed that? Yeah, oh, yeah, exactly. for sure. Yes. Huh, look at them. Yeah, sort of. Look at them with the one yeah. thing they seeded. Good job. <laughs> well, it's but, right from the yeah, books. The one, the one scene that made that made me uh, sympathize with Yana saying, "I can't in good conscience pick this as my favorite episode." Is that's the scene where. Um, Arya and Sandor find that random guy and they talk about philosophy. Oh, oh my god! Stab in the heart. So <laughs> nothing isn't better or worse oh than god. anything. Yeah, and then and then Rorge and Biter like just randomly come upon them, pounce <laughs> with a jump scare, a le- legitimate jump scare. Yeah. No episode. I want to sympathize with like what Yana was saying too. Yeah. Episode five was really good. It wasn't just the setup at the eerie, but that was also the episode. And this is really hit or miss for people, but it was where mm-hmm. Cersei, who's obviously just Carol at this point, is like trying to get in good with all the judges, and it's yeah. kind of fun. Yes, yes, well done yeah. sequence. Like it made some kind of narrative subtle. sense. Yeah, yeah. I didn't. I didn't, then, I didn't really catch it the first time, mm-hmm. but it made perfect sense when you think about it. Yeah, and then, you know, the the Rape Shack stuff came to an end, yeah. and, like, okay, fine. 
All right, so let's let's talk about the worst episode. And Julia, what do you think the worst episode is? <laughs> I don't think we, there's any discussion. It was clearly the last one, the sharp jump. Does anyone disagree? You can uh, make a case for episode three and episode four. I feel, but um, which ones hmm. were those? Let's see. Break, three, <laughs> uh, three was the chains. sex that came that came that came consensual, and four uh. was the rape check. Fuck until they dead. What? You see, that's only one plot line in each of those episodes. Like the, rest the tenth also episode, wasn't very good. <laughs> yeah, the tenth episode was just like thing after heartbreaking thing. It was. It's, yeah, you know. Yeah. It, and what's the final scene? Is it? It's. It's Arya's boat. She's on a boat. Yes. No. Um. Which, so yeah, no, I, I, I think I agree with that. I think ten. I'm kind of looking it over now. Well, because the like, exploding fairies. Yeah, in the north, floating fairy, fairy fireballs, and they specifically show they specifically show Mira using a regular old axe to cut down a skeleton, and it being mm-hmm. cut down yeah. and dead. Mm-hmm. The thing about ten too is that it doesn't give you any break from like digesting how badly they're fucking up because then you go immediately into another sequence. It's like every single scene beginning yeah. with Cersei telling Tywin the twin sister is oh real God. and she'll tell everyone, and then he's like, "Oh, she got me!" Like beginning with that on, then going to Jamie in the Tower of the Hand where she kisses his fucking sh- sorry. She yeah. kisses his hand. His gold you could say fucking on the yeah. podcast. You just can't write it. Okay, <laughs> and then, and then they just fuck on this goddamn table. And yeah, and he off. like pushes away the white book. So, That's like been his entire theme. This I have, a, I have an offensive goddamn book I in the a, beginning, like I've, episode I've, one or two. He talks about this book and what it means to Jamie or could mean, and then just shove it off the table. Okay. <laughs> Someone. What was that guy like? I, I have a potentially offensive question. In that scene, oh, is so Cersei's like, "I love you, whatever." And I love my brother. I love. I love you. And he's like, "But people will hear us." And she says, "I don't yeah. care." Is that to mm-hmm. mirror when he raped her in the sept and said, "I don't care." Oh, ew. <laughs> I'm <Probably>. sorry. <laughs> Probably, yeah. I think that's meant as a because it's the exact same. It's a well, not the exact same situation, but fuck, to them, you're they right. Oh, think, I hate it. Right? Uh, wouldn't this be the first no, time they right. hung up again after, since then? Yes. Uh huh. Which they treat as like a disagreement about what kind of peanut butter they bought at the store, <laughs> not like he raped her. Yeah. Also, I think the scene starts out by them first arguing of all, over peanut butter disputes are serious stuff. I want Jiffy. I, know, I don't I'm- care. <laughs> It needs to be crunchy. I don't care. No, seriously, I've heard Julia get into more intense <laughs> arguments with her boyfriend than like Cersei and Jamie had because of the rape. Or because she was butter? getting teary Oh, because killed? of peanut butter. Yeah. I mean, is it so hard to get peanut butter that doesn't have sugar in it? Like, come on. <laughs> and palm oil? Peanut butter with sugar in it? I know, oh, yeah. it's disgusting. Yeah, here in the States, we sweeten our peanut butter with sugar, and we add, like, palm oil. I mean, you sweeten everything, but what? Yeah, I mean, we put, like, <laughs> sugar in literally everything. Like, water with yeah. sugar in it. Um, yeah. No, but, yeah, I think that this Your was a parallel. I think this was, like, a, like a, was supposed to be a parallel. I hate it. I hate it so much. The, th- the other thing about this episode, too, is that the one sequence that I would say was fine to okay mm-hmm. maybe good was danny's but that's yes. like not really a culminating moment yeah yeah there was a bit of a hint of an arc because she has this first episode scene where the where drogon snaps at her so you can kind of 
It's just like the middle part. It kind of doesn't mention her dragons at all. And just wheel spins. <laughs> well, and then there's the other issue. Like, she locks up her dragons this season because they ate people. And the next season, she feeds people to her dragons. So, it, you know. <laughs> That's one solution for the problem. It's like, because it doesn't go any. I'm like, well, if you're just feeding people yeah. to them anyway, why are they locked up? No, like, the very next season, Drogon bails her dumb ass out. So, like, <laughs> what? Mm. I don't know. Danny was very wheel spinny. This whole season. Yeah, I guess I guess her arc is learning to be distrustful of her dragons, and then that doesn't amount to anything, ever. Well, no, it's because when she embraces her dragons, she needs Tyrion to control her. And then they're all perfectly well-trained. Like, even the mm-hmm. ones that were locked up are perfectly well-trained. Mm-hmm. I mean, they maybe they have a sitter. What? They're just a trainer down there all the time? Who knows? <laughs> Was the Tyrion smooth talking to them? Oh, for sure. Maybe. Probably. All right, all right. So now we get to do best and worst scene. So backing up and saying huh. something positive, what would you say the best scene was? And Caroline, I stole your best episode, so I'll let you start. Um. Oh man, did I pick one? Uh, I, I put a few. I again, I liked the Joffrey's death in the Purple Wedding. Um, the se- start the sequence starting when he makes Tyrion be his cupbearer, like from there to the end of the episode. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. and I also really like Peter Dinklage and his trial in like the little speech he gives before he demands a trial by combat. And even though it made no sense, yes, it, you know, it, it's <laughs> in isolation. It was really yeah, good I, acting, I and I I felt things, and um, I and I like him being like, I wish I could have killed your bastard. I'm like, ah, me too. But <laughs> uh, I, so I think he did a, he did a good job there. And he also did a good job in the trial reacting to Shay, but, like, the Shay thing makes no sense. I'm sure we'll get into that. (laughs) The whole Shay web just doesn't match up. Um, Yeah, I have to agree. The face he makes when Shay starts um, talking and he says, please don't. Shay, don't, Or something like that. Yeah. That was good. It was just not exactly what was happening. It was logical. Right. There was no logic to it, but, like, as a a moment, it was fun. It was good. And then I really it's, like the just the one sentence that Daenerys says to Barristan at some point, where she he says mm-hmm. it's best to answer to answer injustice with mercy, and she says I'll answer injustice with justice, only because as a lawyer I get to use that that gif a lot. So <laughs> I, I, oh, I was gonna my say phone. my issue with that line is that I don't think the show necessarily agrees with it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the show is very think- loose on what justice means. Yeah, well, and then it, like, has Jorah both sides slavery, mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're like, um, okay, that's an angle, but I think we're always supposed to think, oh, that Danny's a little too into killing slavers, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is not Maybe. great. Um, all right, Yana, I know you're going to pick a Santa scene as your best, yes. so <laughs> get on with it so that I can know which Santa scene I'm picking. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um... I was actually going to add that, like, for a brief little moment that worked. Again, back to episode 9. This face. There was one face Kit Harrington did. Mm-hmm. And now this is already yeah. revolutionary. Makes it easy to put oh, it down. Oh, when Ygritte shows up? Yeah. Gina- exactly. I was about to speak German to you. Why do I do that? Um, that one. <laughs> um, when he just has this sad little smile and, oh, hey, it's you, which <laughs> makes sense in context, sort of. But Matt also does something to Tarrant being like, yay, my girlfriend is on set again. Um, but it worked. In the, minute, in, the, in the moment, it worked. So back to my Sansa scenes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, huh. I have very strong feelings about the scene with the Vaylords because mm-hmm. I this was so it was such a good concept. It was so well executed. <laughs> it was such the, the point to the scene would have been so amazing if they just you know not done season five afterwards. Oh. And the oh. the callback to um, people actually remember remembering Ned fondly. And yeah. his name is Byring Loyalty in a place where it makes sense. Mm-hmm. And also just um, there was some development there that wasn't really seen it, but what is in this on this show where Sansa realizes she has this cloud that she can, with her own name and her own and her own presence of mind, she can get these people on her side and make the situation <laughs> work out. And this was honestly, if you just cut off the season there, her development there, have have her be on the shelf like Bran for the next season and just have her show up with Vale troops at the end of season six. That would have been great. That would have been perfect. That would have been fine. But what about her costume change? I don't care about the costume change. <laughs> she could show up at the end of season six with a brand new costume. <laughs> sure. Fine. That's how we'll know she developed, right? I'm also very partial to the other lemon cake scene. The one where she oh, and Lysa yeah, talk and this just turns on a dime and the intensity and yeah. all. They have had great chemistry. They had so such great chemistry. All right. Yes, I well, agree. Well, which is your Sansa scene, Kylie? I mean, the lemon cake scene is probably actually the best one, I think, because, yeah, Kate, yes. Dickie, and, and Sophie Turner really played off each other yes. well. And it was just... I'm, the more I think about it, I think... I think Sophie Turner might actually be leagues above everyone else acting-wise, now that mm-hmm. I'm thinking about these scenes. Because, like, she really does... No matter how bad her scenes are, she's able to sell most of it. She's been doing this from season one. And like, yeah. we, we notice this because we pay attention. Other people kind of don't because, ew, Sansa. Um, <laughs> but she has consistently been one of the best actresses, actors on the show. Yeah, like, the worst Sansa scene is where she's, like, all confused with Littlefinger on the boat. But even that, like, the acting's fine. Yeah. I guess if I had to pick a best scene that Yana didn't already touch on, <laughs> it it would be the moon door scene. She's very, like, it's just, it's good. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. the staging was a little awkward because the moon doors are the ground. Yeah. yeah. But, and your sister aside, which is just like, what the fuck? We established that Catelyn is her sister. Like, <laughs> in every single episode since Liza showed up, every single episode mentioned that. Why? Why? Oh, I'm sorry, though. The worst sense to see was definitely her slapping Robin right beforehand. Like, what? Oh, God. Like, yeah, what? he was Why? being annoying enough. Like, I, I'm, like he's got to be a lot more annoying. He's been nice. No, he was all like, I'm going to use all of my weird political clout to get you what you want, Sansa. We can rule together. Yeah. And then she was just like, oh, you ruined my snow castle. Fine. Yeah, and then she's You're just being like, stupid. oh, you ruined it. I can never I can never rebuild it. And it's like, no, Sansa, this is not how you rebuild Winterfell. Which is when you realize, oh my god, they only adapted the scene because it's pretty and not because of its thematic significance. Mm-hmm. Oh, That's well, why it yeah, there's a shock. One. It is mm-hmm. pretty... The theme is just lost, and the significance is just lost, and uh, yeah. you ruined it, go away. That's a great example of the checkbox effect. Checklist. Yeah. Yes. Good, I don't think the worst Sansa scene is the worst scene of the season by far. I'm just no, saying no, no, that no, was, no, like, no. so bad. No, no, we have Craster's Rape Shack. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> we have Beatles. <laughs> we do have Beatles. <sighs> Julia, what was your favorite scene? Um, just like you all know that Yana would pick a Sansa one, everyone knows I'm going to pick an Oberyn one. <laughs> True. Uh, the scene where he goes to Tyrion and tells him that he's going to be his champion made no sense yes. whatsoever. And poor Baba Martell got Lady Black wanted. 
but just like let Elliot take him on a trip. Oh my god! <laughs> oh, spoiler. Are you say- wait, Julia? Are you saying that you didn't like his bisexual manifesto best? That wasn't your favorite Oberyn scene. That is what I'm saying, Caroline. Um, I think it's mostly Pedro Pascal's fault. He really pulled it off. And it was like, okay, I can see in some kind of bizarre alternate universe where Tyrion, for some reason, decided to go this route without first securing a champion, that this would happen. And that Oberyn might say these things Mm -hmm. about his dad taking them to Castle Rock. (laughs) Yep. And just the later part of the scene when he was when he was winding down and he was stating his motive in his monologue and the yeah. music swelling and this was this was yeah. well done. It yeah. was just over it for like two seconds and then for two seconds again during the combat trial and um Yeah, he's all like that. this is my destiny. Go <laughs> pour over it. Alright. So worst scene, is it Beatles? Is it rape him till they're dead? Like what is it is it Leaf throwing fireballs? <laughs> Marge's sexual harassment. Uh, oh, I okay, man. so that's that's. I'm gonna go out on a limb and, and actually pick the scene where Marge visits Tommen, at which night. is oh. a toned mm. down scene of what was originally in the scripts because Natalie Dormer yes. called up D and D and made them change oh, it. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't even know that. What yes. was yes, the original? Yes, it's supposed to be more we don't know. intense. Actual? Ooh, we don't know. I don't know. Probably oh, what happened in season five. So this Probably. is this is my my thing about it. So. Uh, I was watching it and I was disturbed particularly by Marge telling Tommen the line, this will be our little secret. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. It's Red very flag. much, very yes. much a uh, an adult sexual abuser or any yes. sexual abuser, but a, a sexual abuser of children to say, you know, oh, this is our secret. We keep this secret between us. Don't tell anybody. Um, and it's so like, there's no way to frame it. That it mm-hmm. comes off in any kind of positive light, but then they absolutely never address the fact that this is a, yeah. an abusive, a, a, an older woman. Well, using- Carol tries to and- tell us next season, but nobody yeah. listens and to her. Building from that, didn't we have this entire reverse honey honeypot where they actually told a very cohesive storyline about the yeah, mm-hmm. yeah about the, the bad effects yeah. of abuse on Tommen that culminated in him committing suicide when the abuser dies? Yeah. Yeah, Julia and I were hot on that Cohesive one for a while. It's a, yeah, they had no idea what they were doing because yeah. oh my god, he got to got to sleep with a hot older woman, but they they did sort of right. But then but then they still include the line "it's our little secret," and she even kind of says it in a sinister kind of way. Yeah. Like, did they think it was just secret because like Teehee, I'm hot and you're you know you're a teenage boy, so you you're Probably. gonna like this Teehee. It's a secret from your mommy, but like it's like it's. It's very manipulative and very abusive, I and think it's, it's it's like creepy and cruel. That entire I think plot was thread is very creepy and cruel. Yeah, I feel like they didn't do that by accident. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm still very confused about the whole Tom and plotline and what exactly they were trying to achieve with it. Yeah, this built very organically into the dynamic in the next season and in season uh-huh. six, and where it ends. It's just probably not on purpose. But but I can't see how it what, could how be could by it... accident either. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, is it? I don't know if it's by accident or not, but I found... No. I don't know. I guess I would I, I would that. say, I think... I would say they do want it to be a little bit sinister, but then they just end up framing it as Marjorie is better than Cersei. I think they want, so they want, it, to be, they want it to be sinister because they want Marjorie to be one-upping Cersei. But it's not sinister because yeah, of any no. effect it has on Tommen. The focus mm. is Marjorie, like, oh, she's scheming to get 
control from exactly. Cersei or whatever. Not not it's sinister because this is abuse. And, it's much right. within the sexual manipulator. Yeah, that's that's probably the uh, the most intelligent observation about that plot line ever, Caroline. No, like, <laughs> but I mean, it's it's really it's the fo- it's the focus of what is what they're trying to accomplish, and that's that's why they never address the fact that it's it is a sexually abusive relationship. All right, let's talk Beetle scene. Why did we all hate it as much <laughs> as we did? It's, is it that bad, really? I it's mean, can dumb. you think of a better or better worse? I don't know way to burn that many minutes of screen time. Yeah, it's just like <laughs> I'm just so confused as to what they thought they were achieving. It's like Tyrion Trinidad? being nervous about his trial, right? Yeah. Huh. But you know, so at the time that that it aired, I read something online where someone took like the Beetle scene. And like lined it up time wise with like the the battle like the 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 fight between Oberyn and the mountain, and like somehow mm-hmm. it lined up in some significant way. And there was like some analysis about how. I'm sorry. There's <laughs> no. There's no way that was intentional. No. And I remember being like, no. what? <laughs> but there's like there's some like the the cadence of the beetle thing foreshadows like the squashing of the beetles foreshadows the squashing of Oberyn's head what? I don't know like okay like you that. should need fucking Adobe Premiere Pro to like get something out of this scene <laughs> no no it's just like in retrospect the only thing that scene makes me think of like you could have talked about Taisha here you yeah. could have talked about they could have talked about I mean, there's, there's a huge giant universe of things to talk about and when they talk about beetles what happened? They could have just cut their losses and have the episode be five minutes short. <laughs> Who let this get through? I feel that Who way. Who let this get through to the final cut? Well, they really wanted to say mean things about Orson Scott Card. Uh, yes. Uh. So their cousin Orson is simple. Ha ha. <laughs> Wait, is it's that like why? In... Yeah. Yes. Wait, I don't know happened. It's like in Orson- Godzilla okay. where they eat uh, Siskel and Eber. You know who Orson Scott Card yeah, is, right? And he's... Yeah. yeah, I mean, he's far from, like, a cinnamon roll, also, <laughs> but he wrote a very mean review of Game of Thrones in season one, where he's like, it's obvious they don't know what they're doing adapting this thematically. And yeah, he's basically to, like, saying all the things that we are saying now, but about season one, which shows some presence of mind, I think. Yeah. And, like, those problems are totally there in season one. They're just not dialed up to, you know, 55, Mm -hmm. so it's like... But, yeah, so he made a very mean review about it, and then they went to be like, oh, our our cousin Orson, he was dumb, and he smashed beetles. And then he died when a mule kicked him. Wow. That is such a mature way to deal with your critics. I wonder what someone named Ray did to them. <laughs> oh my god, we should like go back and honeypot all the weird like, who's, who's Talisa? Who did she who's wrong? Carl? I mean, like, who is Carl fucking Tenor? I mean, George R. R. Martin put a Dallas cowboy into it's his story so bed. a giant yeah. could rip it. I mean, but that's like cute and cheeky because he's George R. R. Martin and he's No, he had like to some... put the sigil in because he lost a bet and then he like had a giant had rip a giant just rip like to like say fuck you to the guy he what? lost yeah. a bet to. Yeah. Yeah, Sir Patrick, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Huh? His sigil is uh, Dallas that... Cowboys logo. Yeah, so Yana, um, okay. there's, Don't worry a, about it. It, there's a minor character up at the wall, Sir Patrick, and he has a sigil that's like a star, which is to represent <laughs> the Dallas Cowboys, the football team. And George R. R. Martin is a huge those? New York Giants fan, yeah. so he has a giant rip up the Dallas Cowboy in the, oh. in the story. Yeah, because apparently he yeah. lost, actually- I forget who he lost the bet with, but the, like, that was like, if he lost, if he lost the bet, he would have to put a Dallas Cowboys sigil. Mm-hmm. 
in the books. But, but that's actually kind of clever. Right, that's like yeah. clever and, and cute and like not smashing beetles. It's just not smashing yeah. beetles. Smashing and it also All has right. like waste page space. Right. <laughs> I, I would like okay. to submit for contention of mm. worst scene though, rape them till they're dead. Like uh-huh. everything of about course. that scene. They established a bad guy by having him drink wine out of a skull. Like leak proof skull, yes. Like real life. Are you fucking They what? somehow managed to first of all clean off the skull of any remainders of anything, mm-hmm. make it <laughs> Make it clean enough to drink out of, and somehow make made, made to line it or whatever they did with it to, to yeah. make it not leak. And yeah. then it also, look, it also looked pretty and recognizable. And this is an an astounding feat of craftsmanship, only rivaled by Sansa the Speedy Seamstress two seasons from now. <laughs> what you didn't know was that Carl too. fucking Tanner was actually also a really great craftsman before he was sent to the wall. <laughs> and there's just like background rape the whole yeah. time, so yeah. you can have your titties and your Shakespeare. <laughs> But but what but guys, there's rape in the books. Uh, I mean, what if yes. we didn't like the rape in the books either? So what, but what is? I mean, I think I know the answer to this. Before everyone else, what is the difference between the rape as depicted at Craster's Rape Shack and the rapes as described in A Song of Ice and Fire? The rape in the books is not there as background amusement. Yeah. Well, some people argue that it is. It's often kind of mentioned offhand and things like that. But not to be titillating. Yeah. That's true. Like, the books, I think it's hard to argue that the books don't explore the patriarchal setting and they don't explore the condition of women. I think it's hard to make that argument Mm -hmm. just given the diversity of female POVs that are present. And, you know, oftentimes it is ineffable. It just, it feels like when rape is mentioned in the books, it's not too titillate or like gross out Mm -hmm. it's just it's there the worst example of when it's brushing up against the line is with jane Mm -hmm. pool i think Mm -hmm. and they're theons being raped Mm -hmm. too Mm -hmm. and that's kind of like why is it this exaggerated what is really the point and that's really really pushing the line on it what about the fact that one is a visual medium do you think that well, changes that's yeah. definitely the, the, I mean, like, audience interaction? It does. Like, I've yes. made a similar argument about nudity in the series. Like, mm-hmm. there's this one scene in the books where, like, Ned and Kat are co- having a conversation. And they mentioned at the beginning of the scene that, like, Ned is just, like, walking around the bedroom naked. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. And, and, and if you were to do that in a visual medium, it would have a completely different feel to it. Yeah. There is just something inherently voyeuristic about the, yeah. the lens. There is. Mm-hmm. Yes. And for that reason, you have to be very, very careful what you're including. And what were we meant to get from that cast of rape shack scene? Just like, oh, that's messed up. Right. It was rape for drama. Exactly. It was yeah, like, like you're saying. Did we need it? Yeah, this guy rape. is a bad guy. You think this guy is a bad guy? I mean, he's I'm drinking sure. out of a skull, but it's unclear. I don't feel like he's only drinking There's out of seven. one skull. Maybe if he had two or three skulls. We could be mm. sure. Speaking of skulls, though, I think we also do need to talk about the spooky, scary skeletons. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Those oh, look so like that bad. Scene, it's it a like- different kind of bad, for sure. Yes. Well, so, Kylie, this it's was like- the scene that made you uh, uh, an official book snob, right? So what, what was it exactly uh-huh. that turned you at this moment? <laughs> um, I guess throughout season four, I had, like, already... I reread the books kind of during season four. I basically began revisiting the text because of the sept scene. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to be like, well, it's rape in the books too. Cause that's, you know, how advanced my thinking was at mm-hmm. the time. So I was very, very steeped in 
the books and engaging with the novels again. And I guess I kind of had this hope that they're cutting corners, they're adding shit that I don't really think make it more exciting, but I guess I see why they think it is. But they know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And, like, they know that there's a vision. Mm-hmm. And then this scene was just like, huh, nope. <laughs> okay. Oh, no. That's not true at all. Sweet summer child. They don't know what they're adapting. They don't know why they're doing anything. And what the fuck was just happening with Leaf? <laughs> Um, I mean, the- she just let the fireball spell her to use it. <laughs> it was just like literally the scene where it kind of perfectly solidified in my mind. They don't care, yeah. and they're just going to do whatever the fuck they yeah. want. Would you rather have implied cannibalism made explicit? The sense that were cannibals—is that what no, you're talking no. about? I was talking about the alternative to getting rid of Jojen. Would you rather have had explicit oh, Jojen paste? paste? <laughs> Jojen paste is still a fan theory, first of all. I don't, super, I don't buy that. Yeah, I'm not super convinced by it. Oh, but it's I, possible. I, I, I believe in Jojen paste. Yeah. Look, look, they turned Cold Hands into Benjamin. I think they were kind of okay <laughs> with doing little fan service, but indulging these kind of kinds of theories. So, yeah. the alternative mm-hmm. would probably have been that. I mean, Jojen's going to die, obviously. I mean, like. Sure. Mm-hmm. He has, if I'm being super honest with myself, I probably saying, this is not the day I die, sister. So there we go. But, uh, well, if, if if I am being super honest, though, I probably became a book snob most fervently with the Taisha drop oh, yeah. because oh. I had just done the Sansa reread. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just like that scene was like, what the fuck am I looking at? And then the Taisha drop came and I was like angry. I gotta say, uh, so watching the scene with, with Tyrion killing Tywin without yeah. Taisha... It really yeah. doesn't. It really is like very callous and like not mm-hmm. like a very like you you lose all the emotional depth to it. Really, it's not motivated. Right. It's completely random. Yeah, he just jeopardizes his escape by doing yeah. a little detour. Yeah, and he's not even For like it's moment. not. He doesn't even have Varys there to like you know try to talk him out of it or anything like that. No, yeah, because like Varys is just like oh no, don't <laughs> right, and it's like why was, and it was you know without the Taisha yeah. thing, why was he going yeah. to? Why was he going yeah, there exactly. in the first place? It's not like he... And how did he know how to get there? Uh, <laughs> All those questions. I have a lot yeah, of thoughts about Shay, of... but I don't know okay. we, we could fit that. I, I well, guess I we know. could talk to the... Well, you know what, Caroline? We were going to talk about best and worst plot line next. Would you call it the worst or the best? Like Shay? I, I don't know. Is it a plot line? I don't know it's, if it's just a whip. Like, Tyr- like Tyrion's plot line, I mean. I don't know. I don't know what I... There's problems with every plot line. That's the problem. I guess... Season four yeah. is unique in the sense that there's no, like, very obvious. There's no plot line that escapes. Right, on exactly. It's like, and like, I mean, mm-hmm. I guess that's kind of nice. They're getting consistent in their like shittery <laughs> over here, and it's yeah. you know, it's, so I think it's hard to pick. I, I can't really think of a worse one, but I have a lot of pro- I have a lot of questions about Shay and the way they portrayed her in the show. Yeah, I would call Tyrion's plot line on its own like middle of the road, not one of the better ones, but not the worst. What would you call the best, Yana? Because, <laughs> like, I was trying to think, what's the one that's the least bastardized? And I, my mind first went to Brienne because she's like on a travelogue. But no, no. then I remember she starts off. starts off the season in King's Landing yeah. with Sansa, nope. and she runs not into Brienne. Arya and fucks not that Brienne. up. Not Brienne. Yeah, definitely not Brienne. What about again? Okay. Again, make it. Dead pen is okay for what she does she just doesn't do anything this season yeah like, um, honestly. it's just not paced like an arc deadpan she's on an arc 
No, I'm just saying it's just not paced like a season-long plot line. Yeah, exactly. Well, exactly. They just were getting wheel spinning. It's very episodic. I mean, I like a lot of the stuff that happens in King's Landing. I like the wedding. I like the trial. I like the the trial by combat. Like, I like those discrete moments. Does that make it the best plot line? Sure. Does does being the best plot line mean it has to have some like be cohesive? Does it have to make sense? I, uh, what do you define as best in this context? Like least bad. The one that, <laughs> yeah, the one that makes me the least angry, and that's difficult because the one that makes me the least angry watching it in isolation is the one that makes me the most angry globally. We're back to Sansa, by the way. Oh, <laughs> well, I, this is which I is definitely it. the plotline of this season that I enjoy watching the most, mm-hmm. but only yeah. if I very finely tune out where they went with it. For this season, for what happens within this season alone, mm-hmm. it's probably the best. And also kind of the closest to the books, or the intent of the books, sort of. Mm-hmm. Or do you least, yeah. or you have the easiest time pretending that it is. Yeah, I can see that. So, I agree. I mean, it's. I think we can agree it's also very, like, sloppy in how they did it. Yes. You know, it's, it's not just pop-up Dantes, but that doesn't help, like... Oh, no, no, why is her hair specifically talking about what happens up in the eerie? Yeah, oh, but even that, she's here. not like she's not like running the kingdom in any the the no. castle in any yeah. way. She she's building there. a snow castle and slapping her cousin. Mm-hmm. Look, you know, like tell me a better storyline for the season. Ever my no, I don't think you're wrong. Yeah, I don't think you're wrong. It's basically process of isolation right now. Yeah, because like Theon elimination. I think Theon comes close to getting at what's in the books for Theon. Yeah, but but that involves Yara. No, but and then like all of a sudden they make it a plot about Ramsay instead of about Theon. Yes, that was weird. When it's like, look, Ramsay, everything the light touches is ours. I don't know about this. But like, like we said that in the reread, but it reframes everything that's happened so far with Theon as being yeah, about Ramsay. It does, and You're just, right? And it's not the about Ramsay's Theon being line. traumatized. It's about Ramsay has being gained control very good of him. At training people, yeah, which earns him his daddy's acknowledgement. <laughs> I think the worst plot line is kind of a tie. Between Arya and John, if I had to just lay it out there in terms of like how huh. that served their character, because Arya was literally doing nothing mm-hmm. for a fucking yeah. season. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Every Arya scene was just so bad. Yeah, so it was. Bad. It was. She <coughs> killed Oliver this season, right? <coughs> yeah, yes, that was the did. chicken scene. Yeah. Oh, the chicken scene. Oh my god, the chicken scene! <laughs> uh, we also didn't mention, we also haven't mentioned Nothing is Nothing for Worst Scene, even though it's up there. I mean, it's no. too nothing to be the worst scene. <laughs> it's not better or worse than anything. <laughs> yeah, Caroline, you, you wrote down in your random notes the, the chicken joke. What what did you think about that? Um, the, well, my, my your talk or non-versation. They're just before the yeah. chicken oh. joke, which, by the way, like I still don't a hundred percent get the chicken joke. Like I've watched the there show. Is the, like the joke is that it's chicken. That he's like, you're overthinking this. Yeah. The joke is he likes he chicken. Likes chi- That's like, the he joke. just keeps demanding more chickens. That's the joke. Yeah, uh, they've been saying chicken twenty times in the scene. It's funny now. Oh. From you're an idiot. No, you're an idiot. From one idiot to another. It's like stop it. Oh my god! Right? They do this yeah, all the time. Like, yeah. It's a yeah. But but just prior, That's the joke. I guess prior to or like within the chicken joke as it's happening, Sander like the guy like asks him something like, 
you want some ale or something, something stupid? And Sandra's like, you're a talker. I don't like talkers. Talkers talk. <laughs> All this talking of talkers. And I'm just like, what is happening? Like, yeah. It has no, it's totally non-responsive. And I, I'm like, who does this? I think Oliver was right. I think the dude was trying to yeah. be nice and trying to do it the smart smart thing, get on the good side of the giant dude in the room. Yeah. Yeah. And also like, kind of like a respected dude him. within the Lannister Guard subculture. Yeah. yeah. He also tried to get Aya from him and, and pretending that Aya is like his sex slave or whatever that was supposed to be was yeah, interesting. That was interesting. Well, he was a talker, so he couldn't, context, I couldn't be a friend of the Hound. Yeah. Oh, I didn't read that as him recognizing Arya. I read that as him actually no, 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 wanting. No, 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 not that is just not. He didn't know who Arya was. He just thought that Zendo was keeping a random girl as a sex slave. Yeah, around. yeah, like you do <laughs> when you travel the Riverlands <laughs> <laughs> and are called Clegane. Wait, no, the new the new greater Clegane is big and cuddly. Damn it. I did think it was like I don't know. It's getting to the point now where I just find it funny the stuff that D and D referenced later, like the the girl and the father that Sandor <sighs> mugs during the season. I'm just like, ha ha, you're gonna die, and then like Thoris is gonna be like, this is so poetic. Oh, it's poetry. It rhymes. <laughs> like what? Like just having references does not automatically make things meaningful. You know? Yeah. Like, j- it exactly. <laughs> yeah, but I also what? I also want to submit John's arc as equally as bad because I think his plotline really really began to revolve around the idea that if he can swing his sword well, he's good. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's a leader. So so and and it's evidenced by the fact that learning to fight dirty with Carl Fucking Tanner <laughs> comes back uh. in the big battle episode where he uses that to defeat Stir. <laughs> What's the name of the head then? Yeah. Uh, He's another Icelandic gentleman. Yeah. It's like, no, but he he spits in his face in like a culminating moment. Like, wow, I learned how to swing my sword real good. And then his final scene is just him burying Ygritte. So was the point of the season that he's sad about his love? He learned that it was very important to bury people or burn people north of the wall I have, if that I is have what they wish. I have a wish to pick with his burning because he puts the whole pyre together and he puts her on there and he lights it up and then he walks away. And it's very yeah. dramatic. Like, not for nothing, but, like, it's the north. There could be, like, a strong wind, and that fire could go out. Yes. And then you're, like, yes. you've totally, like, you're, you've just failed at the thing you were trying to do. Like, just stick around. She, it only takes, like, ten minutes. She, she could already be rising. trees that were all right there could have caught fire. There's all kinds of problems like, with what that That scene. would probably be you a good thing, actually, if it caught fire, because then you can see the others coming. <sighs> Lovely. Oh, they should do I'm that. I'm honestly not so sure. Like... There were parts of John's story then that were way better than anything Aya did this season. There were some oh, yeah. moments oh, yeah. of genuine brotherhood between him and the characters who died. I mean, mm-hmm. I wonder why these moments were suddenly there. Um, but they weren't <laughs> as as chain-jerky as everything with Shireen is so far, and you actually did get a sense of community, sort of. Mm-hmm. It's a sort of, I don't know... Worked more often than I expected it to, and way more often than Aya did. So I would rank him above that. I, I'm glad I you mentioned Shireen. What do we think of Stannis's plotline this season? Who roots for this guy? Uh, Stannis the Manus is coming in with his two giant giant horse armies. I don't know how did did he have horses up north in the books? Yeah, that way they boat them there. Uh, yeah, they put them on boats. Uh, they must have. 
I guess, yeah, because yeah, they didn't just like happen upon no, a bunch no, of horses. They had to <laughs> I, it looked it it was, looked like a lot. There's like a great aerial shot that like looks really cool, but it's like the the army coming in from either yeah, side. I mean, it's they the imply picture the show that he doesn't have any the of his own army left. All he has is the cell source that he got because he got money from the Iron Pick. He got infinity money. But mm-hmm. yeah, no, it's the pincer movement that Tormund is like, John, I don't want us to get caught in a pincer movement again. John's like, yeah, we won't do that. <laughs> and Jokes then they do. Because <laughs> they don't dig trenches. <sighs> um, yeah, I don't, I just don't know how anyone can root for status and he was also barely in the season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he, like, okay, so, like, in the first couple seasons, he goes to Bravos. Because they make the decision to go north. Episodes. First couple episodes, yeah. First couple episodes. Yeah, so they make the, se- the decision to go north at the end of season three. That's when they make yeah. the decision. And mm-hmm. so, but, like, the audience doesn't know that. So then, um, they go they to do. the bank to get the money. Mm-hmm. And then yes. we, and then they're just gone for episodes. Yeah, and then we have yes. Shireen and Mel with that bathtub scene. And I think That's there's Celise. Celise and Mel. Yeah. Oh yeah, Celise and Mel. Also- but there, there was that one scene where Mel is talking to Shireen mm-hmm. because Celise yeah, is mm-hmm. super concerned about her religious education. <laughs> yeah, she's like tucking her in, and she's like, "There's only one hell, and <laughs> we're living really- in it." Yeah. Okay, bye. <laughs> such a fucking. I hell. actually kind of liked that scene, actually. Um, yeah. Like it's one of I those like, like good in isolation scenes. scenes. Yeah, I yeah. like I, I like that like scene where where um we, I'm sorry, I'm trying to words. Mel's talking to Shireen and Mel says mm-hmm. says like, "Did you see the sacrifices on the beach or whatever?" And Shireen says, "No, but I heard them." And then I'm like, "Yeah, girl, you." Mm-hmm. And she's like, has this very like angry. Yeah, then they. Yeah. yeah, actually, I was I will say that every scene. On the in the Stannis plotline that didn't involve Stannis was actually well enjoyable. I will even make it. I actually like the, the awkward dinner conversation yeah. that they had, where like Celise was like, "Once he killed me, a seagull." Yeah, it was so romantic. Did they ever talk about how how he almost died from hunger during the siege on the show? On the show, was that was the oh my god! I don't know. I. I think they did. I thought they did. Well, the kind of before Mentioned Blackwater, it, like sort of maybe. It, I it was actually, like, yeah, you and your yeah, onions. They so they yeah. like Davos, onions yeah. but, oh, Davos! I love yeah. the Iron yeah. Bank scene where he's like, "You could trust Stannis. Look at my fingers." <laughs> this was Davos training to be a hype man, which he's still doing three seasons later. Yeah, <laughs> just for John now. Yeah, I just love how like my fingers are proof that he's trustworthy. What? I like Mel creeping on John already. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, the shared meaningful glances of her funeral pyre. Ooh. Yeah, well, like, remember season five is where she's sexually harassing him? Like, in she an just elevator, comes yeah. in and, like, pops her tits mm-hmm. out? Yeah. <sighs> no, she, like, comes in, she's that. like... Do you remember when they're stuck in an elevator together and he asks him if he's a virgin? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's rude, Mel. You can't do that. <laughs> I just like when she comes in and she says, hey, we're fighting for life and death. Let me show you. And then she just... Takes her robe yeah. off. And you're like, what? So that always works with my boyfriend. Um, <laughs> any other plot lines we really need to discuss? Like, Bran I, was pretty bad, yeah, I mean, right? Can we make fun yeah. of the scene where we see, like, this guy sitting on the tree and he has two eyes? <laughs> and they even I've say a thousand you. eyes and one. Yeah. And, and just the joke. Oh, I mean, like, did they not get all those references? Are they not nerdy enough for that? 
And Maybe. I just thought it was a thing he said, like a weird thing he said. Not them telegraphing going, hey, I'm Brendan Rivers. Ooh. Maybe I thought it was like in, in 1001 Nights or something. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. 1001. Oh, and one. As he's just sitting there looking at Bran. <laughs> Maybe it's a reference to the three eyes, so there's one odd one out still, even though he has two and like a third one. Wouldn't that be a thousand eyes and three? <laughs> I'm trying to make it make this sense. This is what happens, Kylie, when you don't read all the Dunkin' Eggs novellas. I've watched you with 998 eyes and three. <laughs> I mean, the thing about Brand's arc, too, is that like he gets sucked into the Craster Rape Vortex. Yeah, yeah he does. Oh, I, yeah. I hate So he's just scenes. now... Okay, but remember when, like, Mira is just, like, uh, walking away from the group, she gets just whacked in the face? Yeah. (laughs) But there is, there's a moment there in that sequence where he skin changes into Hodor, Mm. and you, like, see how Mm -hmm. fucked up it is. Yes. Because Hodor has to process having killed someone without being in control. Yeah, he's, like, looking at his bloody hands and stuff. Mm -hmm. But then, like, the episode, by the last episode, Brandon's just skin changing into him to throw zombie skeletons everywhere. Mm. And it's like, well, I guess that didn't actually mean anything. I mean, you're asking a lot for this show to mean something. That's <laughs> a pretty high bar. It was an attempt. Or maybe the actor just had yeah. a moment. Well, let's talk about meaning. Were there any overarching themes of the season? If you're looking for justice, you've come to the wrong place. <laughs> yep. Uh, uh, yep. I hadn't thought about this. Honestly? I think that sums it up. We can also throw out more trailer lines if you want, Julia. Sure. Yeah, they could live in my new world or die in their old one. Mm-hmm. The war's not won. I will answer injustice with uh, this. There's nothing good and evil nothing. on both sides of every war ever fought. You're just going to quote the entire trailer, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> tell, tell your father I'm here. <laughs> tell him the Lannisters aren't the only ones who send their regards. <laughs> I'm used to being the family insult. Mm. (laughs) Uh, What's what's the oh that's the one where um, John has the line that I always use when I'm trying to get into my Kit Harrington voice, which is, "If the wildlings breach the wall, the role of everyone and everything, everyone, everyone, everything." He just doesn't say G's. He can't say. Yeah, no, he's too folksy for that. Uh Much too (laughs) folksy. Yeah. Um, All right. Yeah. Were there actual themes, though? (laughs) There is no. I mean, they're not injustice. Yeah, not. They're not. Injustice is certainly a theme. Like, legitimately. Mm -hmm. There's a trial. In King's Landing, there's a trial. In Marine, there's all kinds of weird justice discussions occurring. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Yes. Well, the plots are there. Stannis is all about. Justice. I guess Sansa. There's no actual justice with like Lysa's death. No, but I think the whole. I think if it wouldn't. The theme wouldn't be like justice working. It would be like justice not working. The flaws of justice. Right. If you want justice, you've come to the yeah. wrong place. Mm-hmm. If you think this has a happy ending, you haven't been paying attention. <laughs> it goes hand in hand. Mm-hmm. I'm kidding. That was the season. That's season five. That's all. the season five. That was season three. No, if you think this has a happy ending, you haven't been paying attention. Is the theme of season five? Uh, yeah, well. it's probably season isn't it the theme of the entire show? Yeah, that, that <laughs> is the theme. Well, the the ending's gonna be yeah. bittersweet, Yana. Bittersweet. Um, 
I can't think of any other. Sweet, she All right. Okay, I'm not gonna sing. Okay, let's talk about because I don't think we're gonna get anywhere talking about themes. Let's talk about the women. Can I talk about Shay? Can I talk about Shay? Yes. Yes. Please talk about. Okay, I have a lot of. I'm just like very confused. I was paying very close attention to Shay this time. So a few things. Um, one, I noticed a logical fallacy, and this ties this like dovetails with a couple other points. So in the second episode, the line the rose, uh, mm-hmm. Tyrion's all like, you're a whore, you have to leave, and he puts her on a boat. And the only people, according mm-hmm. to Bronn, the only people who know she's on said boat are Tyrion, Bronn, and Varys. And Bronn knows this because mm-hmm. Bronn knows when he's being followed and he wasn't being followed. Okay. So And Bronn also said the, the boat set sail, right? And the boat had set yeah. sail. He put her on the boat and the boat was gone. Uh-huh. Then is she- this the invention of the boat warpers from C- from the porn boats later on? <laughs> <laughs> so then she pops up. Seated. She pops up later at the trial. So my first thought yes. was, you know, this is because. Well, first I was like, well, who told? Right? Like, who told? Um, Mini mage about fairly spotted Silva. Um, you know. <laughs> and but then I was like, oh well, you know, she was she was already sleeping with Tywin because she was, you know, she's a whore. She's been sleeping more. She's a sex worker. But she's been sleeping with Tywin the whole time. So, no, but she was earnestly in love with Tyrion. But, so well, that this is the problem. This is the logical issue. Yeah. So that my first r- was thing was like, oh well, Tywin knew about it the whole time because he knew through Shay because Shay was also working with him. Um. So mm. the, that that solves the problem. Yeah, right? you're putting way too much thought into this. Uh, like that that would solve the problem. Yeah, uh, but like then there's the outside. Okay, the so I think the only real options are either Varys told on her for. Reasons. reasons that are never addressed, or she did it herself. She was okay, just like, guys, "Fuck clearly, you, Tyrion! Clearly, I'm gonna get you back." Clearly, Minnie made stage an intervention, kidnapped her off the boat. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> well, but then there's the outside of the episode that kind of throws a wrench into this, as the outside of the episodes always do. Where yeah, when you try to be generous, <laughs> they try so we try so hard to explain it, and they just mess it up. Their explan the outside of the episode for the last episode, it, the explanation is that Shay was not a sex worker with Tyrion. She was earnestly in love with him. I think you could use the WH word in this context. Okay, whatever. She, she was not a whore with Tyrion. She was uh-huh. earnestly in love with him. And that he was earnestly in love with her. And he only... So she's, she's no longer a whore. She stops being a whore at that point. <laughs> then at, when he's throwing her out, he only calls her that because he's trying to save her. And it's tragic. But he has to call her that to throw mm-hmm. her out. And it's then, just like how, what Michael Burnham said to baby Spock. Uh, so then, but by throwing her out and calling her a whore, it, it forces her back into whoring. And so she becomes a whore again. And then at that point, it's... Wait, do they really say she's like forced yes. back into this yes, profession? She, does. she, like, like, she like, has a relapse. Basically. Well, I'm sorry. What was her like paycheck coming from while she was with they Tyrion? They were honestly in love. <laughs> she was <laughs> working as a maid? I mean, she was. Okay, I mean, maybe they got okay. one of those Elon Musk love cars. She was a stand-up woman. So, uh, okay. I mean, wasn't all, he sending her really? to pledge us with a shitload of money? Is this like a one-on-one example of Madonna whore complex, first of all? <laughs> well, yeah. And second of all, if we really want to make some kind of Watsonian rationalization of this, Caroline, what I would say is that it's pretty clear Shay, of her own volition, came back to King's Landing to fuck Tyrion over because she was pissed. Yeah. It doesn't make mm. sense that Varys would have told because he's a super Tyrion mm-hmm. stan in right. the show, mm-hmm. and that ins- 
in evidence this season too when he like just volunteers to help Tyrion escape because he's such a nice guy and it doesn't really make sense that Bronn would lie because Bronn's getting paid by Tyrion and what does he give a shit and he's so So, and he's the um image of integrity otherwise so Uh, maybe we're supposed to think that Tyrion that uh, Bronn told when we see him all in his fancy clothes coming to visit Tyrion later no 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 no, no, no. see this is the benefit of the rewatch we know Bronn is a super loyal guy to whatever Lannister he's serving yeah, he's sometimes a little bit too loyal. Okay, in the scenario, you've seen the scenes. He was framed like the upstanding guy here, mm-hmm. just doing what he had to do to survive. Unlike Shay, that lying whore. Yeah, and I mean, of course, the real reason is that Shay never went on a ship because Shay's not real, and they just said she went on a ship and then had her appear because it's shocking. Right. I mean, obviously mm-hmm. that's the reason they did it. So it's just like it's this big like logical hole. I remember yeah. they needed her testimony like they did in the books, where I don't think the boat was ever a conversation. Um, I don't remember enough. No, I don't think. No, 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 no. That never no, happens never because she's like. Mm-hmm. Remember, he's like living with Sansa and all that stuff. Yes, that happens in the show too, but not really. Yeah, and Tyrion um, thinks he's so clever, keeping her hidden, and there was yeah. no reason for him to anticipate her being, you know, caught. Or let's just say he wasn't that in that into taking precautions against that. So they somehow couldn't make that work with the way they changed around the show. Mm-hmm, but yeah. Tyrion had to be the good boyfriend and sent her to safety. But right. you also need her to come <laughs> back to give testimony because that's what the book says. So is the, is the reason yeah. she comes back... Okay, so the first time I watched this, I was I was like part of the way through the books. And I think I... I don't remember if I had read the trial or not. I was like very yeah. close in time, the two of them. But when I first watched it, my interpretation of the show was that she was doing this because she was being spiteful. Because of the whole line of, I'm a whore, remember? And I believe Mm -hmm. that still holds up. I can't think of a single other motivation she would have, to be honest. And it's again, but it's again, it's the missing the point. And the The whole whole thing about how she shot first. uh, That she's what? In the last scene. She shot first, well, she went for the knife first. She she picked up the knife and tried to stab Tyrion. (laughs) But no, I mean... The the reason too is like how gleefully she threw Sansa under the bus. Yeah. Just doesn't <sighs> seem in character with anything we knew of Shay up to the point, unless she really, really wanted to bury Tyrion. And even um Sybil Kakelli, is that how you say her last name? We the, we the never Kikili? understand her poor <laughs> this poor woman's I last think name. Kakili. Yeah, Kikili, I have no yeah. idea how Turkish works. Moving on. But she went to D&D and she's like, I don't think this is in character for her. And they're like, huh, mm-hmm. you don't know her. She's an opportunistic mm-hmm. whore. Yeah, sure. Okay, guys. Sounds like a plan. So but again, like, they're missing the point because the whole point of Tyrion's are in the book. Of in the book is that she's, she's not earnestly in love with him. He hired her to be, he hired her for the girlfriend experience. And like she doesn't have any particular loyalty to him because she's not his girlfriend, he's mm-hmm. not her boyfriend, and they don't mm-hmm. have a good healthy yeah. relationship, and they're not in love with each and other. And he also, he also kind of recklessly and he, endangers yeah, her. Yeah, yeah, he recognizes yeah. he recognizes that, but he still expects her loyalty. Yeah, like, that's, like Tyrion does. Yeah, that's one of Tyrion's things. He expects people's loyalty for some reason. Right. <laughs> and the thing is, too, it's not just that it kind of ruins her motivations when you change that dynamic. It's also that it ruins 
like why it is that he's so embarrassed and triggered by the trial in the books yeah. and i mean that quite literally mm-hmm. he is getting the feedback that no you were never loved at the same time he's being like sexually humiliated mm-hmm. in front of all the denizens mm-hmm. of king's landing right so that's it's supposed to be compounding everything it's not just that they're laughing at a funny nickname it's that it's at the same time he's realizing no i really am unlovable again and what an idiot I was for ever thinking differently. And they never, like, she never calls him my giant in the show. And, like, that was kind of, like, it's more in keeping my with lion, the theme. Right? Yeah, the, yeah the, my lion. Yeah. And, like, they cut out everything that is, like, shows his contempt for the people of King's Landing, basically. Yeah, when he starts screaming went, at them, it's like, dude. And they yeah. weren't even laughing at him. They were just all sitting there. <laughs> like, in the entirety of, like, three seasons there, we got, like, what, two dudes making fun of him and an angry mob who was just angry in general? Yeah. And I guess the that there was this that, that, that uh, in the second season, there was that preacher who called him a twisty little monkey demon or something, yeah. right? Yeah. And okay. he thought that was but- amusing. The biggest laugh from that audience, who, by the way, did not seem to be any small folk. It was all like, yeah. highborn, right? Yeah. But the biggest laugh was when Oberyn was like, did you fuck him like it was his last yeah. night on Earth? And they're Which like, oh, wasn't oh, oh, oh. even that funny. No. I, but they just like in- enjoyed that break in decorum. Yeah. It, it wasn't even the funniest line said in that entire exchange. You'd think yeah. that my lion would be more laughable. Mm-hmm. Or just... I just... Ugh. They so do not get Tyrion. I actually got an ask in my Tumblr, and I'll paraphrase it here because I unhooked my keyboard and I can't open it up right now. But it, it was like, why do you think we did get a whitewashed Tyrion? Because even with how he is in the books, he's still like obviously the fan favorite. Yeah. And mm-hmm. the answer I have to that is that I think they honestly don't see a difference. What do you mean? But they don't see a difference. They basically buy into Tyrion, who buy who is buying into his own hive. Exactly. They don't understand point of view bias. He needs a Davos. Right. (laughs) Yes. They take everything at face value. It's the exact same problem they had with adapting Uh, Dorne. They took everything at face value and don't get like that. And they're missing the point of the entire series, which is like the point of view is is what changes reality. Like, Mm -hmm. right now, now they did purposely like make changes such as you know in volantis he doesn't rape a slave but instead is offered free sex Ooh, by mm-hmm. a slave so they they do know that some of these decisions wouldn't play well with an audience but i think it's yes. still just this disconnect where they think Tyrion really is just oh a victim of being too good mm-hmm. for this world well, i wonder yeah. i wonder why some of those changes like i wonder why they changed that from a really obvious rape to you know being offered free sex is it like do they think something's wrong with the source material that they need to correct it <laughs> probably at that point because that's also the season that they put Tyrion and Danny together because they felt that they should have met in A Dance mm-hmm. with Dragons and that's where the creatively right, it made sense because we wanted to happen yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's where that yeah. came from mm-hmm. so I think they actually did start to see that They're as like it. oh what's Martin doing with yeah. this character yeah they probably didn't like A Feast for Crows or A Dance with Dragons very much like if I had yeah. to guess <laughs> shocker yeah no but seriously everything about how they've written Tyrion is just they've written Tyrion the way he would write himself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the way he sees himself. <laughs> that is an excellent point. Yes, they wrote him as well, he sees himself. Yeah, Cersei too, to some extent, right? Well, does Cersei see herself? Yeah, but Cersei her has moments. 
Cersei has moments where she can still be sort of, you can sort of see why she's a villain. She sort of does questionable things. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not as, ex- as egregious as with, with Tyrion. Cersei's writing this season was like completely schizophrenic. Yeah. I found it. Um, <laughs> uh-huh. And that's why we had that Cheryl or that, that Carol or Cersei section uh-huh. of yeah. the reread. Mm-hmm. Because, like, who was going to pop out every Well, yeah. And it, I mean, it's like in the last episode when she tells Tywin all about the twin cess, a big part of that is her screaming about how she'll, like, never leave King's Landing because she's there to protect her son and she'll she'll burn the house to the ground before uh, she lets someone take her away from her son. Like, what? Where did this come from? But. <laughs> like, what books were they reading? I, and, like, how she acts to Larry. Why, why didn't she like Jamie in the first episode? Because she was pregnant and she was uh, grumpy. Um, no, she's not pregnant this because, season. No, she was, remember? Kyber gave her an appointment. An abortion. She yeah. like, remember? Oh, huh? oh she just got a season, rash right? from... Maybe she just got a rash from not sleeping with with the kettlebags and Moonboy for all we know. <laughs> um, well, but, like, we didn't see her have sex with anyone no. last season. So if that Saying. scene was supposed to be about Kyber and having given her an abortificant... That that wasn't really in evidence. What else could it have been, though? I mean, Wait, she had I, I missed this. When did he give her an abortifacent? He was just like, "Have the symptoms abated," and she was like, "Yes, completely." And then Jane was like, "What's all about that? All about?" And she's just like, "Well, your business." Huh. Maybe she just had a migraine. Maybe. Maybe she or just like had an period awkward crash. crash. Oh, I don't know. Like, why mention it? I mean, they kind of highlighted it within the scene. Hmm. It's not like it set her up being unfaithful because we know that she wasn't. To be fair, hmm. do we have any kind of frame of reference for how much time has passed since the last time she slept with Lancel? To this point? Hmm. It could be two it's weeks. Before it Blackwater. Be, it could be three years. We don't know. We don't know. That's true. I mean, they, so, there are times where they imply that each season is a year. And then there are times and when that's that kind baby of what you have stays to go a, with. a baby. Yeah. <laughs> Poor Marcella. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I just think her writing was so bad this year, though. Where, like, first of all, she was accidentally raped without mm-hmm. them knowing it. Uh-huh. So then, obviously, they couldn't well, have her address it. it. I don't know. How and then she they, was just how how did they accidentally rape that and not realize it was a rape? She's pounding on his chest and saying, "No, Jamie, stop." That's it becoming consensual. Obviously, <laughs> it's their kink. It's what they do. Mm-hmm. No means yes, and, I mean, like, and actually, banana means no. That, that actually does seem to be their kink, is the thing. <laughs> but, oh my god. Didn't we like, talk about that before? Yeah. It's just so bad. Like, I, they, I can't, season five is actually better, because then at least it's just <laughs> poor Carol the whole way through, and there's consistency. But this season, she'll, like, vacillate between, like, just an absolute manic hatred of Tyrion, mm-hmm. For mm-hmm. a prophecy that gets dropped, by the way, because they never give us the Valencar thing. No. To, to, like, I choose you, Larry Chu, and you're like, what? <laughs> but he raped you, like, three weeks ago or something. <laughs> or yesterday, much time or passed. last year. Who knows? <laughs> like, some, sometimes she's a smooth operator with, like, Oberyn and talking about how much she misses Marcella. And then... Other, t- I-, I don't know. I just couldn't get any read on this character whatsoever. And Carol is like one of my favorite characters of the show. <laughs> also, the um, the complete devotion in the end of the season was also not really Carol for me because of how 
stupid it was. <laughs> <laughs> no, just I mean, Carol wants the best for her, ki- for her kids, and she's able to see through the manipulations from both Tywin and then Marjorie and both and whatever. But also just declaring that she will just bear their true parentage is like seriously endangering everyone. Well, actually, that's pretty in character for Carol, where she's she's like upset that Larry has never really taken up the reins of fatherhood yeah. and she's she's even been uh, like look what that look what that caution mm-hmm. brought you and you know to, okay. to her, or one of our kids is dead you know so okay. carol don't I they think change is... don't they change roles like that in season five when it's jamie again who wants to go public and she's like no am i just missing mixing it up with what actually happens in the books well in season five <laughs> no, in season five, Jamie wants to like torch their enemies, and Carol is sad. Yeah, okay. But then she also wants him to like be a father to their kids. Okay, I don't really understand. It's a little. And then he's confused. all like, "Burn it to the ground, Carol! Burn it to the ground!" And then she burns it to the ground. And because he's upset naturally, him. Jamie is the person who would want things burned to the ground, as we all know. Yeah. In this fetish. It gets I th- worse. I think season six is. Yeah, season six, they're the most confused because that's where he's like, fuck prophecies and fuck fate. And then he's like talking about flinging babies out of catapults so he can get back to her sooner. And then she burns it down also- and like does exactly what he said. And he's like, oh. But then he says he's not angry about it the next season. I don't know. I have a, qu- I have a question about well, that, that last scene where she tells Tywin about the twins. Yeah. Yeah. What, what does that practically do? And what I mean by that is this. So she tells Tywin, okay, so they don't have to hide it from Tywin anymore. But they're still hiding it from everyone else. It gets also, her out of her marriage fair, to Loras. I mean, does it get out of her marriage to Loras? Yeah, because yeah, she's um, going to she tell made, everyone and thereby destroy the entire family forever. And, and get herself him. killed and stuff? Like, Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Just, yeah, like, yeah Carol like, would think like, that's worth it real, to protect her kids. Let's be real. Tywin would have, would have her taken out of the picture like this, the minute she left yeah. the room. Yeah, but that, that, would also, that would also mean that all... Of her children yes. are also taken out of the picture. Mm-hmm. No, kind Thomas of still exists. But he's a well, bastard. Thomas is, yeah, he's an yeah, incest but, bastard now. Yeah, but if Cersei can't spill that... Oh. Oh, yeah. It still counts towards Tywin's legacy, hmm? Well, according to D&D in the inside the episode, it means that uh-huh. she went up against Tywin and won! Oh, yeah, she won. Oh, yeah, like, what a yeah, win. Okay, sure. They, they yeah, she said frame she was it, like, going to win. wins the scene. The mm-hmm. scene itself was framing itself, but what was referencing who wins the scene? Yeah, she, yeah. She at the beginning, she was going to win, and then she because the script says so. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and but they're like obsessed with that concept of who wins the scene. So like, you know, Jamie poisons Olena, but Olena wins the scene because she's able to tell him that she killed uh, Joffrey. Like, they they, are, they mm-hmm. love that. Yeah, it's that's really not an argument. Someone always has to win, and everyone else has to be stupid. It's yeah. kind of like, it's a, it's like a crack in the plaster kind of thing. Oh, hey, that's a good <laughs> ah, transition. There you go. What's a crack in the plaster oh, that we about, noticed this about season? The women. We haven't talked about Brienne. No, I, I didn't. I didn't notice oh, the transition. Oh, I just was a real like that. Just was a crack in the plaster. <laughs> I mean, I Sorry. think this whole conversation is merging together. Let, yeah, let's talk about Brienne. Why not? What was that? Why was that? Does anyone have anything to say about so she sees Sansa Stark um, in the capital? <laughs> And she does. She does. And about she has it. like a. No, she does say something she, about it. She's all like, "Jamie, we should do something about the fact that Sansa Stark is like literally right in front of us right now." And, and Jamie's like, like, "Get off her out of it. Are we related? But it was with you." And then she's like, "What did you say?" And he's like, "What?" And then the scene ends. 
then she's at the wedding. Are you sure we're not related? (laughs) Yeah. Because I might be into that. Um, I mean, she, she, the fact, what, the fact that that Sansa's married to a Lannister, which is clearly, again, she's clearly still a political mm -hmm. prisoner. That just, like, absolves Brienne of, like, needing to rescue her. If anything, it should make her want to rescue her more. But Larry said it was complicated. No, the, yeah, the and fact that she's wrong, a minister now means that she's safe. That's you know what would have been great for Brienne to do? If they had uh, used her instead of Dantos. Huh. That would have made just as much, if not more, sense than what they actually did. Well, I mean, there's frankly no reason why she couldn't have just been hanging out with Brienne this whole, or uh, hanging out with Sansa this whole mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not like her season four contribution for the rest of it was so important. Oh, but of, of all the cliffs to in, to be at on one day, we just <laughs> oh my it's god! Like, it's like of all the gin joints, but instead it's of all the random cliffs in the Riverlands to suddenly or, are they the Riverlands? Where were they? To be fair, They're they were all going to the they were all going to the Vale for good good plausible reasons. So okay, yeah, maybe if Brienne had been hanging out with Sansa. And P- and, and Littlefinger was like, oh, let's marry your enemy for revenge. She would have been like, um... Let's not. No. Let's not do that. How about no? Although, this Brienne is not very smart, so no. I, don't, I don't know. No, she really she isn't. She gets that. a meaningful and then, sword. She does. Her season was just oh, yelling at Pod. Yeah, it really was. Poor Pod. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, that- to be fair, he doesn't know how to tie horses. <laughs> Apparently. Well, I, I thought that Arya and the Hound had stolen the horses, but apparently not. Okay, then. I think Arya finds one of them later and rides it to the harbor. No, that yeah. was the one that she had before that they stole oh. from uh, huh. the people at the Polliver Inn. Yeah. Why were they okay, walking then. every minute, then? Why, why? Where were their horses before Because they that? ran out of horse budget. <laughs> <laughs> they already had those horses, though. Um. No, and also... um. The the one scene from Brienne's storyline that sort of worked, if you ignore everything else, is of course the one where she gets the sword and the armor mm-hmm. and rides off. That's yeah, worked. I mean that, if, that, was, that was an I okay mean, like dramatization yeah. of the book scene. Yeah, like, also, if you're a shipper, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Shush. Also, speaking of which, actually, what was that scene with her and Cersei at the wedding? Why is this? Oh yeah, <laughs> it would never even occur. You love to Cersei. him. This would never even occur to Cersei to be someone worthy of her attention in any way. Yeah, so let's let's think about that. Would would Cersei of the books with all Did her we? internalized misogyny even imagine that a woman who was not conventionally feminine could be attracted no. to Jamie or that Jamie could be attracted to her? Like I mean she is of course aware that other girls are attracted to Jamie, but in Jamie would never ever in her mind possibly be attracted to anyone who is not her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially on someone who looks who looks like Brienne. Mm-hmm. Even someone who looks like Wendelin Christie. Let's be let's be real. Um <laughs> it's Cersei. Um well it's is it Cersei in that episode? Anyway. Well it's Martin, so it's mostly Cersei. Sure. Okay. And did we do that to see the arc they have been delaying until maybe season eight? Which which arc? With uh, Brienne and Jamie Stoneheart. <laughs> Maybe. And so it, I don't know. Uh, that that has been randomly dropping stuff and adding stuff. Yeah, I mean, adding it again. I don't know where they're going with this, but it would be very them to kind of commit to the ship just to kill <laughs> one of them off or both in the final battle. 
Just saying. Though, of course, I don't think that meant anything. It was just very random to stuck in there. Yeah, I mean, I think that they were, like, so enamored of themselves with the wedding sequence that, like, they're like, oh, these characters are together. They can talk to each other. It's very, it's very walk and talk, except nobody had anywhere to walk, right? So they just, like, <laughs> and it was more like bump every into woman each other at the wedding discuss. except for Sansa. I'm sorry, what was that? She talked to... Brienne basically talked to every woman at the wedding except for Sansa, who was also right Oh my god, you're right. You were not... You were not prohibited from talking to her. Olenna just did it. Tyrion is doing it all the time. You can't talk to her. She's there. No one talked to her. There wasn't even, like, one of the nice, scantily clad Tyrell ladies to talk to Where was Mega? Olenna talked to her. Olenna did talk to her, yeah. Olenna had to talk to her so she couldn't screw the light bulb size vial of poison (laughs) hanging around her neck. (sighs) So subtle. So subtle, you guys. Oh, yeah. man. I, I actually was trying to explain to one of my coworkers how, like, something could seem so obvious but actually not be the the right thing. And I was, like, trying to, like, explain uh-huh. this and, like, I couldn't figure it out. And I'm like, just watch this clip from Game of Thrones. And I played Joffrey's death scene. And I'm like, who killed the king? And he's like, the dwarf. And I'm like, but did he? And then I explained what happened. <laughs> and that was a really good example. Yeah. And Marjorie was in the dark about it. Um, yeah, she just held that cup full of poison, and we are lucky she did not take a sip. Hey, should we talk about Danny? Because, like, I get bored by her, <laughs> but I guess other people don't. Um, she had some neat. I mean, what do we want to talk about? Yo, that pleated skirt thing. Oh that's my, my God. favorite. That's my favorite costume of the whole season. Oh, the whole. I'm sorry, <laughs> the whole series. The white pleated skirt with the blue over I- top part. With, yeah. the, with the laser so cut, you know, that fabric is laser cut. Oh my god, that, laser, that, that fabric is laser cut pleather. They sell it on the internet because people make that costume. So I don't know where she got her, I guess, like, Miranese laser cut pleather. But uh, it <laughs> looks really cool, even though it makes no sense with anything. So, okay. My issue with talking about Danny on this show is that after season seven... Julia and I kind of came to the conclusion that, like, we don't know how to feel about her, and we don't think D&D know how to feel about mm-hmm. her either, where she's sometimes this, like, really helpful prop for the mm-hmm. men in her life, mm-hmm. and other times she's, like, this out-of-control, crazy-burning yeah. woman, but then that's empowered? Sometimes. Ah. Yeah, wasn't the yeah. conclusion that she is okay as long as there's a man around to rein her in? Yeah. That's the ultimate yes. conclusion, but of but this then, season, I mean, mm-hmm. I think... I. I, I it's it's it is difficult because I think that they try to portray conflict, um, but then they they portray conflict in ways that like do, don't actually seem conflicting. Like with his daughter's father's body, for example, you know, it's right. like look, you yeah. either you either have married yourself to putting 163 men on stakes and leaving them there, or you've married yourself to not doing that at all. And, like, even if one of them comes right. by and is like, I swear he was really nice. Like, even if he was, you can't just take one down. And then she took what the do you down. mean slavers had families that were, like, people? Right, and it's, it's like, the, wow. the whole point of, of crucifying them in the first place was regardless of the fact that they had families or were people. It's like that you were mm-hmm. just, basically, you were judging them for being slavers and punishing them for being slavers in the same way that the, the children were punished for being slaves. So, and it's like a, it's a very myopic kind of view. And that's, that's the, that's what she did. So it's kind of like, you have to do that mm-hmm. or not do that. And I don't, I didn't really get what about his daughter 
and a story um, about his father because like she doesn't have any like fond memories about her father or anything poor his star too like yeah. i didn't realize he was only in one scene this season <laughs> no he's in the, but he's then in he gets two. sent to yunka right Is he t- oh right yeah yeah he gets sent to treat with the no, but he doesn't, because he doesn't get a scene for that. It's just mentioned offhand. He is. Uh, he okay. does have a non-speaking role in the episode where she throws the chains yep. on, the against collars, the wall. Yeah, I noticed that. Yeah, I, I didn't she... realize he was in that scene until this rewatch. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, um, impactful. In regards to that scene, there is some merit in um, trying to placate the people you know rule. Mm-hmm. So I yes. can see the point in that. It wasn't a bad move. I would just have said like, okay, he would like another few days, week or so to get the point across and then we can talk about this or something. Mm. It would have been a good compromise. Good. Yeah. Whatever. But this wasn't the worst. I guess what I'm, what I'm trying to express is that if she if she was going to be moved by the fact that these slavers also have other aspects to their personhood, wouldn't she have been moved by that yeah. idea prior to crucify? Like, wouldn't that already have like been a thought and then been like, it's still worth it, you know? Like I, I guess I guess maybe if she wasn't like confronted with the face to face, I think the issue that I'm mainly having with it though, because like some of these c- discussions come up that I do think are a bit interesting in nature, because like how are you, I want to sit and rule, and mm-hmm. then she's like, oh shit is more complex than I realized, <laughs> you know, like this slaver's son is now asking me if he could just bury his already executed father, huh. and then that other thing with like uh the guy who wants to sell himself back to his master, how do you mm-hmm. navigate that? What my issue is though, and what we discussed about is her only semblance of a season long arc is like. Her learning that she's not very good at controlling her pets, and that becomes the bigger piece of "I will rule." Is it it like is it some kind of is it some kind of metaphor or something where it's like you know she needs to lock the dragons away in the same way she needs to control her own impulses? Question mark. Well. In the books, uh, I yeah. think it is a bit yes. symbolic that she's kind of going against her targetness to be doing this, like, attempt mm-hmm. at ruling thing, like, a little mm-hmm. bit. But we uh, we know that this doesn't amount to anything in next season because yeah. she just can't placate anyone and then Jurgen comes and saves her. Also, she de- hasn't really had any murderous impulses in the show since season one, I think. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, <laughs> uh, well, I mean, okay, okay. Burning down slavers and crucifying slavers is a bit of a gray zone here, I would argue. Mm-hmm. Of a gray area. Um but she doesn't have the real blood this. Like so far all the people she um had killed or burned had it coming in ways that were more understandable than Mira Maslow, for example. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the, her her instincts or whatever she was supposed to lock away there haven't really taken over yet. We she is not really burning people on battlefields yet. Or burning down civilizations. I don't think you can jump to any symbolization when you're not really showing her ruling in any way. Right. Either. So at what point am I just like, projecting? Not here? really. You know, it's like I'm, I know what the plot's supposed <laughs> to be. Right. So it's like, yeah, yeah. What? But it's just if if they had her sit her ass down in episode three, episode four, and be like, "I will rule." Then fucking have her rule. You're telling me you couldn't pick something that she presides over other than locking up her dragons to close the season on? Yeah, and I... Uh, well, she does have to lock up her dragons at some point. I know, and that could have happened. I, I suppose just showing how all these slaves sell themselves back into slavery with one-year contracts isn't that much of a dramatic ending. Not 
very well to do visually. That was a good solution. That's like a fair, like, you know, she kind of... Could have instead pay while she was at it, but yes. I mean, I, I have a question. Does anyone remember from the books the detail of what exactly prompts her to lock the dragons up in, in the book? I don't, I don't remember. Exa- exactly yeah. this. The same. That, yeah. that Drogon eats somebody or that they're all eating people? Yes. Yeah. That Drogon eats Drogon. somebody. Drogon eats somebody. Okay, I couldn't remember. Drogon is a problem child and the other children get punished for it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's, that's the first chapter of A Dance with Dragons. Mm-hmm. Now, I remember the scenes of them, like, capturing the dragons. I just couldn't remember what was the, the impetus. I, I just think, like, maybe they could have given her anything else. Like, they didn't adapt so much of what was and in the was books. So, so you think, oh, well. I mean, what if they just, what if they did a Kaithe thing, like a scene with, like, Kaithe giving her a prophecy, and then, like, Quaith? Quaith. I was Quaith? Say Kaithe, sorry, Quaith. Um, Quaith saying, giving her pro- the prophecy that she gets when she's in, in Marine in the pool. No, that would be dumb. Prophecies are dumb. <laughs> but then they could have no had prophecies, her, like, no trying to figure it out, right? And then, like, screwing herself over and that was like literally doing anything but like nothing it what what seems like to me could have been effective they killed zarazon doxos so maybe bring back the spice <laughs> merchant or something but like in the book zarazon doxos comes and is like please here's leave. all these ships please yeah. go away now and she's like no and he's like then it's mm-hmm. war if yeah, it could have had been... those dancers who have sex oh god <laughs> that would not oh. work for tv <laughs> oh Oh. Where her boob is just hanging out the whole yeah. time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's just a general fashion, though. So I, I just think it's like, yeah, of course it wouldn't have been dramatic if she's like, you can have a one-year contract and that's her final scene, but there, there's a lot that they didn't show mm-hmm. in Marine. You're telling me the green grace stuff wasn't interesting oh, I wish to they adapt? Had done the green grace. There's like, that's the thing is like, there was, there was wheel spinning here, but there was, if they wanted to pad out this plot for this season and say like, not have her go to war yet or whatever, there was plenty of material to pick from. There's, like, tons of stuff. Or, like, have her end the season agreeing to marry his star. You could build up to that easily. That's a concession. There's so much they could have done that they just didn't do. And next season's not a lot better either, where she just makes all these decisions, but, oh, those slavers hate her anyway. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, boo. And the big dramatic moment is meeting she Tyrion. She get the gift. Also, they completely, completely fucked up how she releases Jorah. Just so completely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's the literal opposite. Like, the way she does it on the show, you're like, wait a minute, Jorah can make a pretty good case for himself here. Mm-hmm. Technically, she just doesn't let him speak. She just deadpans all over him and interrupts him all the time. Whereas in the books, it's pretty explicit that she doesn't release him because he technically sort of betrayed her before he was loyal to her. Um, but because he is... Uh, insolent about it and he demands her forgiveness and all that and he's just not a very good subject and you can after also having creeped on her like a lot yeah that's a lot kissed her and stuff like that and she's yeah. done like yes yeah, she yeah. have done that <laughs> but all of that just gone because Jorah is a good guy with a pure crush on her it's the most purest kind of love or whatever I don't know what they're going with this so she's just comes off as extremely unreasonable in getting rid of him, and you feel sorry for him? Yep. Yeah. Oh. And then he comes back and saves He's her. He's just Yay. Like a good guy. Oh. Oh. Good guy to you. Alright, so we... This will shock you, but we're getting pretty long in this episode. <laughs> what? You say we talk yeah. about it. Okay, um, oh my god. <laughs> so... 
I think we've covered general adaptation all throughout this episode. I don't think we yeah. need to have a section on that. Any like any particular cracks on the plaster too, I think we're touching on. So I kind of want to get down to some of Caroline's random notes. Oh, and maybe that will spark some conversation. <laughs> maybe that won't. Uh, but I wanted to start off with the discussion by Tywin, his quote, dragons haven't won a war in 300 yeah. years. Yes. It's like, yeah, Tywin. Oh. Well, I guess nobody wa- won the Dance of the Dragons, and they didn't win any of the Dornish Wars, really. <laughs> so, I mean, I guess my first thought when I heard that was like, well, but they, they came and they won, like, the war. They won the war of, like, yeah. they conquered the entire it continent. Conquest, yeah. <laughs> Except that was, for one thing. That was, that was the, literally 300 years ago. Yeah. But the thing yeah. is, the thing is, we actually had Stannis tell the story on the show about how technically the Dance of the Dragons was ended by someone feeding someone else to their dragon. And when you are being eaten. That was technically a dragon ending the war. A war that was very much defined by dragons. That did not happen 300 years ago. But I mean... Which has been established on the show. It's just a stupid thing. It's like saying, you know, atomic bombs haven't won haven't won a war in, in 70 years. And armies win all the time. <laughs> yeah. It's like, okay, but atomic bombs can still win wars. Like, they're, they're, the, the, the length of time since Anyone we last used one six doesn't that. mean, like, we can't use it again. It doesn't make... It, it, like, he said a lot of the stupid things. The fact that you have them is already the danger. Right, exactly. It's like they, and it's kind of weird because they've had, like, Tywin be up to date about what's going on with Danny in Marine and be, like, completely, like, willing to believe it this whole time. Mm-hmm. So he knows that there's this crazy lady with dragons far away, and he's totally <gasps> willing to believe that. Whereas, like, oh my God. in the books, it's just, like, these crazy rumors that he's like, yeah, those are crazy exactly. rumors. Exactly, yeah. I, Julia, I don't know why what you said just reminded me of this, but we forgot to talk about a woman that you in particular will want to talk about. Who's that? And that's Gilly. Oh, oh. Gilly. Um, yeah. Um, oh, Gilly. <laughs> Gilly. I'm not sure what to say okay. about her. Everything- well, you love her assertiveness, right? <laughs> I mean, sometimes she's assertive and sometimes she's like, oh, no, Sam, don't leave me. I don't know. This is, what is he doing? <laughs> this is when she, she goes to Molestown for a minute, right? Yeah. Yes. Mm. And that crazy pirate lady is like <laughs> You can tell she's a bad sex worker because she has bad grooming. <laughs> All the good sex workers have like, you know, Brazilians. Oh god. She's like, why no daddy? Make your baby stop crying. You're like, what what are you doing? What's wrong with you? Uh, yeah. And then all the stuff with uh I don't know, Sam manning up and finally forcing a kiss on her was just gross. It was gross. Her sub her subplot in the ninth. Yeah, episode. like Sam's embracing of all like uh, these ideas of manhood is distressing, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the big battle been. episode started with him talking about sex loopholes, so we were off yes. to a really good start. Why is he sex obsessed? They spent fifteen minutes talking about sex in three different conversations, and then we get the scene where he um is all assertive with Gilly suddenly and also kisses her. He surprises her with a kiss. And, uh... And she's into it? So well, Let's, well I, I mean, mm-hmm. the first time they have sex is her saying thank you for fighting off no. rapists. <laughs> this is such a bad rope. So bad. Yeah. No, oh. I just think Gilly's funny this season because she's... Like, this is really where we get showbunning Sam yeah. and assertive Gilly from. Because it's yeah. like, he's... Every scene, he's like, I killed a White Walker! And now he's killed the Fen, so he'll mention that, yeah. too, every second. We... And then 
And then she just, like, vacillates between, like, yelling at Sam and berating him for his bad choices and then being like, oh, no, I'll do what you want, Sam. So she's basically doing... She's basically doing what Shay has been doing when she was bought for the girlfriend experience back in season one. Mm-hmm. Oh, kind I, of. I think this is another example of like a bad adaptation where it's just like overall, and particularly as the seasons progress, they take things from the books and just like way oversimplify them. And like, what's the most simple thing about Sam and Gilly's relationship? They have some kind, they have a romantic relationship in the most basic, basic way. <laughs> now in the books, it's complicated because of mm-hmm. course it is. But in the show, it's just like, this is a love interest story. And that's what they go for. And that's what the whole thing is about. And that's what, why it just, it just falls apart. Because you lose all the nuances and all the complexity and all the interesting stuff. You know what else is getting lost? And season four is starting to go mm-hmm. off that cliff. Is the is the color. Yes. <laughs> and the set, the set being lit. Like... Yeah, I, I mean, watched that season eight trailer. Media. No, but the season eight trailer I thought was a joke <laughs> because of how dark it was. It's like it's and all yeah, they just you go back somehow. Yeah, the, the most elaborate battle on TV history is filmed in the darkness. Nobody will ever see it. Well, I have a, I, <laughs> it has been filmed. I have a theory that, uh, and I'm not. I've been so I've been looking at costumes from season seven and. Uh, trying to outline uh, an art- the season seven article regarding the costumes, and I have a working theory that um, the the height of a woman's shoulder pads relates to her evilness. And is hmm. it also still a working theory that the floor map used up all yes, the pigment? Floor map. <gasps> we found floor map mm. in this season. We have to talk about it. <laughs> oh yes. Oh my god, the best news ever. Yana, I think, is the one who spotted it, but then Caroline confirmed yeah, by going back I had a theory. screen caps. I had a theory because the the scenery um, matched up, but then Caroline confirmed it. Yes, yeah, so it's it's if you look in, uh, the, the, the example I found was um, the episode of Tyrion's trial, when Jamie goes, like, when they're on, like, recess, I guess, Jamie goes in the back to talk to Tywin about, like, please don't kill Tyrion. That room that they're in, those pillars match floor map room pillars and you can kind of see like the open ceiling area where floor map is in the future so we found it floor map room was in season four and it's existed now if we yeah if we could find the dragonstone throne room next that would be great i'm pretty sure that's i'm pretty (laughs) sure that's not in there but this is significant because no it must have some kind of meaning so i don't know someone come up with a meeting it must because it's it's a reference it's in the same room so therefore Wait, you guys are, you guys are both lawyers. What did what? you think of the due process involved in Tyrion's trial? I mean, there was there is a due process in this system. They, they they don't allow the defendant to speak. Yeah, they didn't let him cross. <laughs> they didn't let him cross examine the witnesses, which is like the worst. Yeah, part. there's no presumption of innocence. Also, just the just the process of getting the evidence. I mean, come on, that's not how it works. Even even Littlefinger was allowed to speak. He just wasted it by begging Royce to take him away. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, it's all about, like, having witnesses to prove his innocence, which is not how it works. Yeah, it wasn't very good. To be fair, the trial was still more of a trial with something resembling due process than anything, for example, in the Harry Potter series. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my god. That's true. At least they were witnesses. They were obviously tampered (laughs) with and not exactly relevant, and nobody really questioned how they were procured, but they were witnesses. I forgot about that completely. 
I wonder, do you think that this is also, do you think that the, the ridiculousness of Tyrion's trial is also supposed to foreshadow, or I mean not foreshadow, but give the audience an idea of like how ridiculous a trial would be for like Cersei and the fact that like she's, <laughs> she's robbed of the chance to uh, have trial by combat or like a, a trial for um, Loras or whatever, like that the idea but of there the, being a trial is just really, there's no chance of you getting a fair trial. But the implication, yeah, well, I mean, we see Loras's the implication trial. is that Tyrion's trial was manipulated mostly by Cersei, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It was. Hmm. Yeah. So she could technically do the same for her own trial? I don't know. Yeah, but so, she can't sex yes. people up anymore. Caroline, I see that you have, do Arya and Brienne remember that they met each other? And the answer to that is yes. They do indicate do they? like some familiarity when they... Kind of. I actually didn't hate the conversation they had on the random um, hillside. Yeah. And that, that was much more a kind of conversation I could imagine these characters having. Like, you know, hey, you got a sword. What's its name? You know, like that. that is much more than like, Let's have a random sword fight in the court uh, courtyard of Winterfell, you know? I don't remember exactly what the preamble was to that random sword fight in the courtyard of Winterfell, but I do know that there was, like, something that indicated they had remembered yeah. each other. No, like, her big claim to fame is that she beat the Hound. Oh, That's yeah. her main qualification. Oh, right. oh. That she saw. Ah, I get it. Okay. There you go. And Sam, Sam uh, you know, killed a White Walker in a thigh. I heard. Um, <sighs> oh, I have another comment about Shay. Um, uh-huh, sorry. Of course. Um, the way, and, and this is a, like a crack in the plaster to Tyrion's, it's really more common about Tyrion, to Tyrion's like good boyness. Um, his killing of Shay, besides that, you know, Shay tries to stab him first, so he's fighting in self defense. The way that it's shot when he's choking her, the camera's on his face, and yeah. the focus is really on him and his reaction. To her death, to him murdering her with his own hands. Her murder is not about her. It's about him and how sad he is and how he was betrayed. Well, he's really sorry. Yeah, he's sorry. He's sorry. He says he's sorry. And it's like, how ridiculous is it? Like, she's and, dead. I mean, he mur- he's a murderer. Well, he murdered her. And this is about his feelings. She attacked him with a knife. Yeah, but, but she, she came at him. Kill her. He could have disabled her or like run away or something. And isn't it nice uh, that she and Tywin are tight enough that she calls him by his first name? <laughs> that's in character for him. <laughs> Maybe that's his kink. I I do have to say Tywin on the toilet. Like, Charles Dance really did sell yeah. it in that, like, okay, he's so dignified. He's just like, Tyrion, okay, you're yeah, here. Yeah, like, let's go talk in my chambers. And Tyrion's like, nope. Wait, did Tyrion kill him because he was, like, being whorephobic? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, he's. Well, he said that, like, he's like, oh, I killed Shay. And Tywin was like, oh, that doesn't matter. And Tyrion was like, how dare you? And he was just like, yeah, she was a whore. And that's what he was like, never seen. Yeah, and then Tywin's like, let's go back into the room. And Tyrion's like, we can't go. She's in there. And Tywin's like, what? You're afraid of a dead whore? Yeah. Boom. But it. Why does Tyrion care about being mean to sex workers? Because he's such a good guy. guy. He's amazing. All he talks about is how he wants to go whoring all the time. Like, what? No, 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 no. Uh. He only patchoked before he got married. (laughs) Then after that, he was, you know, single with his one whore girlfriend. And that was fine. She wasn't a whore. We already established that she was cured of her (laughs) whoreness by being in love. (laughs) Until she was broken up with and then relapsed. I I wonder what they thought about Deadpool. (laughs) 
I'm pretty sure we officially passed the two hour yeah. mark. Does anyone have any final comments, observations, anything on season four or this rewatch project in general? Um, this rewatch project in general has made me feel very good about all my opinions about this show. <laughs> I can't believe it's not confirmation bias. <laughs> well, I, I suppose it might be uh, a good point. Sorry, I don't think it is. I think the show is schlock. Yeah. But- <laughs> I think we have managed to write 40 pieces about how the show has always been kind of bad or just questionable. And if, like, how many people partook in this? We were like at least 10, mm-hmm. right? At the beginning? Yeah. yeah. And if 10 people over 40 pieces can come up with cohesive reasoning, why things are bad i think at this point the evidence reliably suggests that maybe it might not it might not be exclusively confirmation bias i'm gonna i'm gonna go with a stronger <laughs> statement and say that it, i think if we've if this big group of people have analyzed this for this long then we can say pretty safely that it's not good yeah I think it just demonstrates more than anything else a sloppiness in how D&D think of motivation mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. how that bleeds into everything else. Because when something is unmotivated, like there can be plot holes, there can be plot contrivances in any piece without mm-hmm. it breaking. But when you're just getting the sense that characters are doing things right. just because... That, that's when it all breaks down, and that's 100% yeah. what the finale of this was. But we, we've seen <laughs> oh. aspects of that all yes. along the way. And and on top of that, it's clear they have no clue what the source material they're adapting is and even no trying to do with the, the source setting. Material, because if they respected it, they would study no. it closer yes. and not have yes. these issues. Or, like, encourage their actors to read it. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And don't just randomly reverse it. <laughs> like, the entire last episode was just randomly reversing what happens in the books. Yeah, have you ever read our um, one of our first Underbash book summaries about yeah, season five? It's only linked on a Tumblr. Yeah, yeah. That's how I got here. We, yeah, where we came to that. Revelation. It was uh, it was our third it's one, where it was, we went through the plot lines yeah. very high level, and we're like, oh, it's almost like D and D asked themselves, "What's the point?" And then they did the opposite <laughs> of that point. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what I was saying. The season is like it. It's it has a place yeah. to go, and it doesn't go there. The only- it gets sidetracked. Yeah, it's the only problem with that interpretation, Kylie, is that you're assuming that they asked the first mm. question. Oh yeah, mm. I agree. Um, I think overall, when it comes to this rewatch, one thing that's become abundantly clear is that it all comes down to the writing. At the end of the day, <laughs> yeah, acting, yes. directing, costuming, yes. you know, changes in the story, like whatever, it comes down to the the writing, and the writing quality gets worse and worse. And I think yeah. we didn't talk about writing specifically too like too much in this one. But I think it just got worse from season three. Yes. Also, it's a con- it's a consistent um, phenomenon with the uh, at least with the pieces I was involved in, where people were like, "Okay, this scene was really good, and it was a scene without dialogue." Or this episode worked mostly because there was no dialogue. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. It's also like almost like it's a connection. It's apparent D and D think they're good writers. Yeah. Like, it just comes across in how their dialogue's written. You're like, oh my god, this is so fucking bad. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's the uh, classic syndrome of writers jerking themselves off by writing dialogue. And, like, whatever the hell... It doesn't just happen to them, yeah. but it's gratuitous. And whatever the hell Martin was doing with the Purple Wedding episode, at least it was nice <laughs> to watch and enjoyable. Because that's what good yeah. writing can yes. do. Yeah. <sighs> I still don't get what he was doing, though. <laughs> 
No. He, the poor man was trying. Give him, give him what he can. Well, Having trying fun. what, Caroline? <laughs> Writing a what you write If they told you to write the purple wedding in the middle of this, in the middle, in the beginning of season four, what? How would you do it? it with Jamie and Brienne there, <laughs> and Oberyn living in a brothel. Yeah, so remember how Oberyn lived in a brothel this season? Like, and come he on. invited Varys to come join them in the brothel. <laughs> And Ty went to sit on the bed. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I have I ten thousand think... brothers and sisters. No, my God, no, no. Okay, no, uh, we're just, done. No, one last thing. Yeah, Oberyn and yes. Loras eye flirting. Oh yeah, I jumped over, yeah. This, over the wedding feast. <laughs> and Sigaross was there. Remember when you crippled my brother? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we have to we have to we have to cut it off here. Uh, before we get out, though, Caroline, you have a cool new podcast that our listeners might be interested in, isn't that right? Oh, I do. Um, so I th- do this podcast with my dad. It's really adorable. It's called his- <laughs> It's called History in Reverse. It's a podcast where we read a science fiction book and then we talk about it. And I try to talk about words like patriarchy and heteronormative and things like that with my father. And it's kind of adorable. Um, <laughs> But he hmm. he has this incredibly vast knowledge of science fiction, and um, so we just like do that. It's history in reverse because I, I let him name the podcast. As he said, it when you're reading history, you're reading what happened in the past. And when you're reading science fiction, you're reading what's going to happen in the future. So it's history in reverse. That was oh, his explanation. <laughs> so yeah, well, check it out. That sounds adorable and interesting, and mm-hmm. people can check it out by like googling it or looking for it, it in a podcast it's on app, itunes i think yeah, yeah it's, on, it's on the podcast app I, I never know how to direct people to podcasts like I think it's on however SoundCloud. you've been finding it yeah <laughs> however you find it you'll find it yeah we, we've done it's, a few books okay. at this point so we, we do one like every two months or so oh that's rad all right oh they rehired james gunn they did rehire james oh. gunn yep he's directing guardians of the galaxy 3 they already said he was going to use they're going to use his script so okay. like okay it's yeah. raining really hard here right now. All right. Cool. Yeah. Uh, Yana, is there anything you want to plug? I don't know. Um. You can say no. I just <laughs> felt like I need to give you the platform. <laughs> I don't think so. I'm not doing anything interesting right now. You're messaging me about Critical Role a lot. Yes. <laughs> and I could a lot more with that if I wanted to. I'm not sure I want to. Alright. And then Julia wrote a new chapter of her fanfic recently. That was a while Yay! ago. Already. Oh shit, I really need to get on the gift card. <laughs> oh, Wedding in Sunspear. <laughs> Check it out. It's Dornish and pre-canon and good. And, and canon comply. I, I wrote one sentence. I wrote one sentence. Well, so no, yeah, like Every time, like, Martin releases something, I'm just like, oh my god, it's gonna make Wedding and Sunsphere non-canon compliant. Like, I was so afraid of Fire and Blood. I, like, made Gretchen read it first and tell me if it made anything non-canon compliant. Well, the good news is that he doesn't seem to be in a rush to release anything, so... Yeah. Well, I've been saying for years that he he wasn't gonna release Winds of Winter until after the show ended. I had that... Yeah. I'm yeah, with I you on that. that. I'm with I kind of can't blame him if he's a little demoralized, to be honest. I yeah, think it's true. probably already written. I just think that they're waiting for the show to end, wait yeah. a few months, and then they release it. That's like the best time, market-wise. Um, maybe. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And maybe by theory. then people will realize that it's a bad show. No, that's never going to happen. HBO has too much uh, money. 
It's going to take a few All years, right. thank you. Well, uh, time for our own plug then, which is just visit thefandamentals.com. We are going to be covering season eight there. Uh, I still need to talk to our potential reviewer about potentially reviewing, but we will have weekly reviews. We'll also have weekly episode podcast episodes hosted by myself, Julia, and Caroline, and that will be on this feed. We'll probably have guests Mm -hmm. too, so Jana, if you'd like... I will probably volunteer. Yeah, I was going to say, if you'd like to suffer through season eight, then... Wait, Julia, you work what? Yeah, I work on Monday evenings now, but I think I'm pretty sure we recorded since... on Tuesday evenings before. I don't know. We could. I I, I work. Look, on the worst Tuesday thing evenings. is we have a podcast that comes out on Thursday rather than Wednesday. Yeah. It'll Wednesday? be fine. We'll figure it out. And hopefully, you guys will be patient with us because our hot takes are so worth the wait. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna be on trial uh, again during this one. The last time that this, um, the last season aired, I was on a trial also. Oh yeah, I remember that. Ooh. Hooray! Yeah, yeah. so definitely visit our website, subscribe if you think uh, you can you can spare the three bucks a month to help support us, and then also recommend this podcast to your friends who yeah. are into the new season. They're like, it's gonna be awesome, and you're like, well, these well, actually- three ladies have something to say. Like all these people at my gym. And then you'll have a first episode for them to listen to. It'll be us like talking about bisexuality for the first five minutes and then finally getting into Game of Thrones content because that's what we do here. Okay. Uh, I guess that's about all. So thank you so much for listening and for keeping up with the rewatch. Those of you who read along and we will talk to you next time. Bye, Bye everyone. Bye. We love you. Bye. <laughs>
Don't serve your brother, Your Grace. Do you love him?